This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, hey, hey. That's mine. You hey, take those headphones off right now. the guardians of the galaxy and a bunch of a-holes welcome to this week's failed critics podcast i'm steve norman i'm joined by owen hughes hello and carol petz Hello. As we take a look at the films we've seen in the last week with a very exciting new release review of the latest Marvel film, Guardians of the Galaxy. <coughs> More on that later, though. Uh, with James absent, uh, no quiz. Uh, we're going to go straight into the news, though. And um, the news that Ghostbusters is set for a reboot, but with a all-female lead cast. Now, Carol, as our uh, probably biggest Ghostbusters fan and self-confessed female, what do you think of this? Uh, I'd just like to start off by saying I don't want any jokes about parking the Ecto-1, please. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like the idea of there being a new film full stop, to be honest. I'm, I've, I think I've spoken about this before on here. I'm not... Uh, I, I can understand why it's happening, but I, that doesn't mean it should. Um... I was, when the rumours were around about um, the guys from the Lego movie and the Jump Streets doing it, I was, I was quite happy with that because I've been, I've been really happy with what I've seen of their stuff. So. Hey, 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 that's mine. You hey, take those headphones off right now! The Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a holes. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Carol Petz. Hello. As we take a look at the films we've seen in the last week with a very exciting new release review of the latest Marvel film, Guardians of the Galaxy. 
<coughs> more on that later though. Uh, with James absent, uh, no quiz. Uh, we're going to go straight into the news though. And, um, the news that Ghostbusters is set for a reboot, but with a all female lead cast. Now, Carol, as our, uh, probably biggest Ghostbusters fan and self-confessed female, what do you think of this? Uh, I'd just like to start off by saying I don't want any jokes about parking the Ecto-1, please. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like the idea of there being a new film full stop, to be honest. I, I've, I think I've spoken about this before on here. I'm not, uh, I, I can understand why it's happening, but I, that doesn't mean it should. Um, I was, when the rumours were around about, um, the guys from the Lego movie in the jump streets doing it, I was, I was quite happy with that because I've been, I've been really happy with what I've seen of their stuff so far. Um, but this guy, uh, Paul, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the saying, Feig? Feig? Not sure. Uh, I don't really know his stuff. I've never seen Bridesmaids. It's not really the sort of thing that appeals to me. And, um. Actually, yeah. just to interject, Bridesmaids is better than you'd think it is. I'm sure it is. I just said it's really, yeah. it's just really That just sounds like a backhanded me. compliment though, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it looks like a hangover ripoff. And it was better than that, to give it some credit. It's one of those anyway. ones, I keep thinking I should watch it and I just, I, you know, I always skip over it in, in favour of something else. Uh, yeah. On Netflix, as we all know, like 90% of the time on Netflix is spent looking for something to watch anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure about it. Um, I mean, this isn't even like this. This is just a rumor, isn't it? I, there's not even any concrete announcement about this. No, I, but I, I just liked on the IGN website where I saw the news where it said that Ghostbusters Three suffered considerable setbacks, including the death of Harold Ramis. Like, yeah, that is, <laughs> that is a bit of a, a setback. Someone dying. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, I don't, so no one really knows what's going on. Is this instead of the third? Is this, you know, is this going to be in tandem with the third? No one, no one really knows. And if, um, you know, Bill Murray's clearly not going to be involved, so it's clearly not going to be worth my time, frankly. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know about it. Uh, I think we need to have more information and definitely some casting. But I did say last night, if Tilda Swinton's in it, then I, then I would definitely go and watch it. She'd be amazing. As like the, as any. <laughs> the the scientist type, she'd be she'd be brilliant. I think if she do, if she do it. Have they given any like reasoning why it's an all female cast? Anything at all that links to why suddenly girl power? Just thought, is that that's it? That's it's it. Girl power. Yep. <laughs> they're they're going to be. It's going to be um, basically as well as a reboot of Ghostbusters. It's going to be Spice World the movie two. <laughs> and all the lead roles will be played by Spice Girls. Uh, I thought you were going to say they were going to make all the, the new Spice Girls movie just all men. Just complete switcheroo. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know whether people are just saying this because the director that's been uh, attached, because he typically does do a lot of kind of female-driven, uh, female-led mm. comedy, doesn't he? Mm. So, yeah, this is how it's just all just hearsay and conjecture. I'd rather just like stick my fingers in my ears and not hear anything about it, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Uh, next bit of news then. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy opened to uh, a pretty impressive box office haul of, of around 100 million. Um, it's very impressive, isn't it? Very impressive and unexpected. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, this is just in the US. I think it was tracking for about 65 
and these things are normally quite spot on. I think it's just taken everyone by surprise. It's got, but really, it's got, it's had great reviews um, and really good word of mouth. I was so, literally just about to say exactly the same thing. It's mainly word of mouth that everyone's gone, well, they look kind of shit, but actually, even, you know, this is people who probably wouldn't be interested in Marvel films or superhero films generally, but have been convinced to go and see it because of all these positive reviews that have come out. And they've all, well, not all that would be a sweeping generalisation, but most people seem to like it. I think it's still good. about 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is high. Yeah, it is. Really high. And, and you'll hear about why yes. it's so good later. <laughs> you'll you'll hear our view on it later on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and final bit of news then. Uh, Studio Ghibli, Ghibli. I'm never know how to pronounce it, but it <laughs> won't be my it won't be my problem for much longer because it's closing down. Oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's not a great surprise, but it's still really gutting because it's just one of the most consistent studios ever um obviously uh, Miyazaki retired last year and I think they've just they've, they've just said well you know we can't really get anyone in to replace him he's just too good mm. so we're just going to concentrate on managing our back catalogue whatever that means um but yeah it's it's really sad I, I like I really like the wind rises um I think they've just released a new uh, new film in Japan and I think that's their final one. It, I don't think it did very well in Japan, which has sort of led them to think, well, people aren't bothered now that Miyazaki's gone. Maybe not, bother, not bothered, but I don't think the enthusiasm's quite there from the public anymore. Yeah, I think um, because it happened before, didn't he? He actually retired before and he then did. he came back. So, But the, but guy who was supposed to, the guy who was meant to be taking over from him previously died. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name. Taka, um, oh, the guy who did Whisper of the Heart, anyway. Yeah, um, I know the guy you mean. Yeah, so he he was meant to be taken over. Obviously, he died, and then that's kind of why he stayed on for a bit. And I think it's his son who's been doing a lot of films recently, hasn't it? Yeah. Does his son do From Up on Poppy Hill? Um, I, I can't. I think so. I think mm. that was one he did. Um, yeah, I think he did um, Arietti as well. And uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, which you know, Arietti was okay. It wasn't wasn't my favourite, but um, yeah, it's just really sad. Um, but to be honest, I, I think it's quite a brave thing to do if you know that you're not going to be able to churn out as good quality films as you did. Then you know, yeah, just call it a day. I, I wish Pixar had done it. <laughs> we'll probably realise that no, Miyazaki's gone. How little they have to work. <laughs> they don't have to work their fingers to the bone for like seventy hour weeks. They can yeah. just relax a bit and think, actually, <laughs> we put out some good films and we can can try and do something else now. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. But also, you know, it's come quite soon after we've entered them into our corridor of praise. I think that was last year. Do you possibly. think that was the final, that was like the the Naked Gun, the final insult? Yeah, Paul Bearer <laughs> better watch out now. Who knows what's around the corner for him. Well, once you're in that corridor, that's the highest cinematic praise you're going to receive. You might give up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go out of the top. <laughs> um, that's all for the news then, and all for part one of the podcast. We'll be up next with what we've been watching. So what we've been watching now, we take a look at the films we've seen over the last seven days or so, aren't necessarily new releases. Uh, I 
which some of you may have known, joined along with me on Twitter, watched Sci-Fi Channel's premiere of Sharknado 2, the second one. Um, that's not that's not me. That is actually the tagline for it. Um, <laughs> could have thought of many better things for myself. They gave me half an hour, but no, they went with that one. It's rubbish. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know. It's not even. I've not seen the first one, so there's a few characters in there. Didn't really know anything about them. Um, I imagine all the character building uh, and and setting for them was done in the first film. It's probably where it fell down for me. Um, yeah, that's yeah. being very generous there. <laughs> Suggesting yeah. there was character. Very, building very generous and sarcastic. Yeah, um, <laughs> but no, it was just. It wasn't so bad. It was good. It was so bad. It was awful. Um, the acting was awful. I mean, you kind of give these sci-fi films a bit of leeway with their CGI and everything because they're working on a limited budget. So you have to look at everything else, like the plot and the acting and the dialogue, and it's all terrible. Just, <laughs> just terrible. There's, none of it makes any sense. Like, in some like disaster film like 2012 or The Day After Tomorrow, they try and make the science sound credible. There's a weather girl in this who says there's, there's shark because obviously the sharks come out of the sky in the tornadoes, obviously. Oh, don't ruin it. Says says there's shark fall at two inches an hour. Uh, how <laughs> does, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> That's not even possible. The how shark big are the sharks? Big, a shark is bigger than two inches. <laughs> no matter what dimension, what the what dimension of the shark you're looking at. Length, breadth, height, whatever, it's bigger than two inches. So Maybe they're make... miniature sharks. No, they're not though. <laughs> I watched it. They're not miniature. They're full sized. Um, so basically, the f- the first ten minutes are tolerable because Kelly Osborne's an air stewardess who gets her head bitten off in homage to her dad biting a, a head off a bat. I can only assume that's why that was in there. If it wasn't, then that's just even more mental. Um, there's an homage to Twilight Zone. Um, with a shark yeah. on the wing of the plane, and the guy seeing the shark on the wing of the plane, going, there's something on the wing. Um, and then after that, it's rubbish. Awful. There's a lot of homages in, in, in there, though. I, I gave mean, up looking after that. <laughs> well, the, there's the airplane one, which is at the start as well, about them eat, uh, the pilots not eating fish enough, just have chicken. <laughs> <laughs> there's, the, the whole film is built on, uh, Either movie references or pop culture references, with a few cameos in there as well. Yes, and a bit uh, of chainsaw wielding. Mm. Um, big old cameo from Kurt Angle and his neck. His <laughs> big neck. Yeah, <laughs> that man is the worst wrestler slash actor I've seen this week out of two, uh, and he was <laughs> and he was some way behind the animal Dave Batista, but we'll come on to that later. We can, we, we, you can put it into a bracket of three that have had, like, debuts in the past couple of weeks, if you include The Rock with Hercules. And, yeah, Kurt Angle's right at the bottom of those two. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, they're gonna make a third one, aren't they? Let's just face it. Do we know what the viewing figures were? Cause I think it was, it was broadcast on, in the US on, on the same night, wasn't it? Well, it was broadcast in the US, and yeah, that's right, and here at the same time, and I actually recorded it off the telly when it was shown here at the same time, which was at something like two in the morning. But I have no idea what the viewing figures are. I, th- they, I think they... the last one did phenomenally well for sci-fi. Yeah, it was so, I mean, it had the whole, um, you know, it went viral, didn't it? You know, there was lots of um, retweets of the, the, the image. I think people just couldn't believe that a film that was called Sharknado 
enough said. It was made, <laughs> you know. And James was absolutely furious when he watched it. I think he paid for it on DVD, and he couldn't what? believe how. Well, that's his own fault, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want if they make a third one, Dean Kane to be in it. Now that's a man you don't see a lot of these days. Exactly. Isn't it? He w- yeah. he was in another Asylum film that was um, what was that one? Arctic Predator. I think. Right. That's just rubbish. Do not watch that one. Um, He won't save it for you, I'm afraid. But the the more work he gets, quite frankly, I'd have cast him as Superman in the new, in the new films. (laughs) I don't know, he must be about, he must be pushing like 50 now, surely. Doesn't matter. You've got an old, you've got an old grizzled Batman, you can have an old grizzled Superman played by Dean Cain. (laughs) Who, for my money, is the second best uh, Superman we've ever seen behind Christopher Reeve. Um, But anyway, yeah, so don't bother wasting... Watch the first sort of 15 minutes while they're, until they get off the plane on Sharknado 2, then then give up on it. Tara Reid oh, looks I nothing like... Of... Tara Reid looks nothing like Tara Reid anymore. No. But one for the ladies, I did read in the paper today that she is releasing uh, her perfume called Shark. So with, with top <laughs> notes of lemon... So, yeah, that's, uh, it's and, going well for her at the moment, I and think. And made with actual shark. Made with bits of actual shark, so Con- you know it's good. Yeah, contains, yeah. contains actual bits of shark. <laughs> you haven't, you haven't mentioned one of my favourite things about Sharknado, which is just a really stupid, simple joke. But the main, um, actor in it, uh, Ian Zeering, Zer- I think his name was, uh, his main character is called Finn Shepherd. Nice. Isn't that just a quality name for a guy in Sharknado? It's so subtle I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm easily pleased. I found it just brilliantly stupid. Yeah, it, it, I didn't find it brilliantly stupid. Just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> just, <laughs> still, Sci-Fi Channel liked a couple of my tweets, so, dumb, you know, got them on board yeah. somehow. <laughs> they, they've noticed us. <laughs> Don't listen to this, I've just slagged off your your biggest achievement. <laughs> um, Carol, what have you seen lately? Um, over the last few weeks, uh, I have seen a couple of films at the cinema. Uh, I have seen Chef, uh, which I put off for ages. Um, I, I saw it about a month after it came out, and I was actually pleasantly surprised it was still showing in Haymarket Cineworld after a month. Uh, but I, I popped down a couple of weeks ago and, and gave it a watch. And... Um, it's it's a film uh, directed by and starring John Favreau, which is um, not not normally a great sign, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but um, uh, obviously, he's been doing a lot of kind of big big budget stuff uh, recently. So he did Elf, uh, not so recently, and then the first couple of Iron Man's, and obviously the the last one, the Iron Man two, obviously um, wasn't very good. So he's gone away and uh, and he's done his own like little uh, little small budget film and it's just basically it's about a guy who is a chef in a restaurant and he sets up a food van that is it that that is nearly two hours but it's such a nice film it's just such a really it's a really really good feel good film i came out of it feeling really kind of happy it was kind of you know like food for the soul in cinematic form it's it's really nice all the performances are really good um i there's a bit on the um, poster that said Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic, but he's in it for about two minutes. Uh, you know, he is really good, obviously, but he's in it for two minutes, and I thought that was a bit kind of uh, 
bit crafty putting that on the poster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a really nice film. I, I, I like John Favreau. I think he's like a really, he's got that sort of everyman thing going on and, uh, and I quite like it. And, uh, you've got, uh, Sophia, uh, Vergara. Is that how, how you pronounce her name? Um, as the kind of ex-wife, like strangely supportive ex-wife, to be perfectly honest. And, um, he's, the guy, the, the kid who plays his son as well is, is really good. Um, so he basically just takes him, uh, around in the food truck, kind of in school, like in school holidays. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just really nice. I haven't really got an awful lot else to say about <laughs> it. It's just, um, don't go and watch it hungry. I actually don't think it's in the cinema anymore, but yeah, just definitely don't go and watch it hungry. I watched it straight after work, and I, I was so hungry afterwards, I went to McDonald's, <laughs> which was, it's not, you know, McDonald's is not my not my food of choice, <laughs> <laughs> I just needed something to eat really badly. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's a really good film. Uh, I don't think it's in, on cinema anymore, but it shouldn't be too long before it's out on uh, video on demand and, and DVD and stuff, and I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and the other film I've been to see uh, more recently was um, Boyhood, which uh, is, I think, probably everyone's at least heard about it by now, um, is a film uh, directed by Richard Linklater, and it's been filmed over 12 years. And it fi- it follows um, a guy called, uh, a kid called Mason from, I think, he's from when he's 6 to when he's 18. Um, and it obviously follows the actors through this 12 year period. Um, I really, really enjoyed this film. It was almost three hours long, but I honestly didn't feel like it needed anything trimming out. It felt like a good length. I think there were probably a couple of bits where it kind of dragged slightly, but, um, yeah, it was just, it's just a really kind of nice film, uh, dealt with a lot of things very well. Um, just kind of had that really, it was a really weird, um, piece of cinema because you, it kind of goes through and you, you catch up with them every so often. So there are bits that aren't explained. Um, like that, that for example, there's a, um, a, a, not a stepfather, but a, his uh, mother's boyfriend just kind of disappears at some point. Um, but you know, this, this is just what happens, isn't it? You know, just things just, mm. people just kind of come into your life and then, you know, you don't always get a resolution. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's really lovely, and the performance is really good. Um, I especially liked Ethan Hawke as the as the dad who kind of sorts himself out, but probably a bit bit too late, really. Um, and definitely, definitely, definitely do recommend it. Um, I know a lot of people that cried during it. I didn't cry, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, def- definitely worth a watch. And uh, it's it's got excellent word of mouth. I think it's still sitting on ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so hopefully it's going to be playing for a good while yet. It's one of those films that, as, the, as soon as people saw it, absolutely everywhere was just raving about it and saying how brilliant it was. Yeah. And it wasn't shown at my local cinema. I was half tempted to make a sort of 15 to 20 mile trek to this little independent cinema <laughs> to go and see it. And... um it was only like the day before I was going to do this when I, I think those initial reviews kind of died down a little bit and then more cynical people who are probably of the same <laughs> disposition that I am started to write about it and said, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's an interesting concept and a bit shallow perhaps is what, what I was hearing. So I didn't end up seeing it um, and didn't, didn't make the journey because I'm lazy and I thought I'd save my money. But um 
Yeah, most people who saw it originally just said how brilliant it was. And like you said, it still seems to be getting loads of positive comments anyway. Yeah, it's, I know it's doing really well in the States. I know they've been doing that kind of gradual release um, scheme where they've just been kind of opening it up more and more. And it's it's still playing really, really strongly. Um, and it, it may even be in possibly for some award shouts. Mm. Uh, Ethan Hawke should definitely get nominated for something because he's just, he's just fantastic. He's probably the most... It obviously centres on the boy, but he's probably the most interesting character in, in terms of like his journey... For one, I'm not sounding like an X Factor contestant. His his journey through the film is is like the most interesting one, I think. Um, that's an interesting point about calling it shallow, though. I'm not. I can kind of see where you're coming from. Um, but as I said earlier, you kind of you catch up with them every now and again. I think they actually said during the filming process they would film like once a year for five days, and it it definitely does feel a bit kind of episodic. As I said, you, mm. you do get. Um, people that come into their lives and then, you know, you don't really see anything or hear anything of them again. Um, and it happens with like a couple of girlfriends. But that, that's probably a great example because, you know, you're growing up and you kind of, uh, kind of start going, going out with someone for, for want of a better term. And then, you know, you might not see them again, like ever. Um, and that's just the way that, that life is. And I think, I don't, I don't really think that translates into shallowness though. Well, it's not my comment. I'm just no, no. saying <laughs> what I what I heard about it. Um, was it was it that Peter Bradshaw? <laughs> it wasn't Peter Bradshaw. <laughs> no. James's nemesis. Well, like our, our default arch nemesis. Yeah. No, yeah. I definitely reckon it, it's just a it's a really interesting um, kind of way of, of making a film. I think it's it's unique. I don't, you, to my knowledge, hmm. there's not been anything um, that's that's been done the same way. But um, it's it's definitely worth the watch. You might like it, you might not, but you can't deny it. it's it's quite an achievement, to be honest. Okay, and Owen, what have you seen? Um, well, I've seen a few new releases. I think I've just very briefly mentioned I've seen Hercules, the new film by uh, Brett Ratner with Rock in it, which was quite good. But I've put a review on the website already, um, a written review, so I'm not going to talk about it on here. I also saw The Purge Anarchy, which Callum has reviewed on the website. Brilliant review of that as well. Um, which it, I agree with his opinion. It's a good, interesting concept. Um, kind of B-movie, violentish horror, thriller type film. It kind of reminds me of Punisher Warzone <coughs> Warriors. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, then it's probably worth a watch. Um, but the film I'm going to actually talk about Partly inspired by the release of Sight and Sound's top ten documentaries that came out today. Uh, I watched a film called The Great White Silence, um, not that long ago. Uh, it's a documentary, uh, from 1924, released approximately ten years after Captain Scott's two-year-long, ill-fated journey to the South Pole, um, aboard the Terra Nova. Um, but it's only recently been restored, um, by the BFI. So, um, it, it, I think it came in like 2011, but originally it was from, from 1924. And they use all the original footage. Uh, so it starts out kind of like an adventure film, showcasing these, like, wonders, um, of this never before traversed area of the world and, and, and what the crew experience and all the things they encounter, such as, like, these 22 mile long icebergs, um, flocks of penguins and 
you know, all the extraordinary landscapes that just look beautiful and fascinating, and it is a real marvel. Um, you know, just seeing things like these people who are trampling snow in an area of the world that's never seen humans before. It just must have been one of the kind of greatest thrills any person could have experienced. And it is absolutely magnificently caught on camera by um, one of the guys on the expedition, Herbert J. Uh, Herbert, Herbert G. Ponting, sorry. Um, it's just brilliant. It's absolutely fascinating. It's kind of like um, Richard Attenborough. Um, not Richard Attenborough. Not, he's not Richard David Attenborough documentary. Um, but, but very dated. <laughs> I mean, there's things in it that I'm sure David Attenborough would have been ashamed of. They, like, harpoon a killer whale to try and save a seal cub. Um, who they've kind of arbitrarily ascribed this narrative to. Um, and they shoot, like, these birds off its nest to examine the eggs every so often. You know, just as the chicks are hatching, so they could, they could, like, die of exposure, but they're just shifting these mother birds off the nest to try and film them, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's very antiquated, but uh, at the same time, it's, it's still quite a fascinating, um, like, nature documentary almost. And then, you get the problems that the crew encounter. Um, such as them being stuck in the ice for 20 days aboard the Terra Nova, um, or them being like worryingly low on food. It's kind of, I want to say it's glossed over slightly, but the impression that it gives is more of a, like a stiff upper lip type approach more than anything else. You know, they do attempt to document absolutely everything that happens to them, including the, uh, the fateful 800 mile excursion on foot through glaciers and minus 40 Antarctic terrain, you know, to reach the pole, um, only to end up discovering, of course, that we, we're all familiar with this story, I presume, you know, then end up discovering that they were beaten to the pole about 40 days earlier by a Norwegian crew that they knew absolutely nothing about. I mean, it, it, it captures all of this, um, but what it, what it tries to do is it, it tries to bring across the camaraderie aboard the ship, the camaraderie of the crew, how close they were, how optimistic they were, um, and it, it does that really well, and it, it ends up being a really kind of tragic story for the right reasons. So, you know, the only only footage taken during the final months of Captain Scott and his four friends' life is it is quite ominous during this this period, um, given what we know happens to them. But you don't see anybody die. Um, you know, you don't see Lawrence Oates make his famous "I'm just going outside, I may be some time" speech. None of that stuff is recorded. Um, but you, I mean, you do see that the, the the area that their bodies were recorded from, which was just like 11 miles away from the nearest depot. This is after they've just walked about 1,700 miles through this, this, this horrible conditions. Um, but it, what it uses towards the end is lots of quotes from Captain Scott's diary, which gives it this really profound, um, feeling to it. And I mean, honestly, it's a truly astounding documentary. Um, Brilliant soundtrack as well to it as well. I don't know what I can't remember what it was they used, but whatever it was, the BFI got um, got him for the soundtrack was just absolutely spot on. Um, but you know, it's one of mankind's most famous stories, and just I didn't even realise that they'd caught all this real footage from from this journey in like 1911. You know, it's actual the, the people there and what they they went on, and combining it with these quotes from from Scott's journal, it, it's just sensational. It's one of the absolute best documentaries that I've seen. Um, 
And it would have made my top ten ahead of some of those on the uh, on the sight and sound list. Did anyone get a chance to watch? Uh, to, to watch? Did anyone get a chance to see what, what was on that top ten documentaries list? Do you want me to tell you what came top? Go on. Man with a movie camera. Um, Is that the one Russian in The doc- Simpsons? Do they use that in the sit? Possibly. They use it a lot. Oh, no, no. So that's a man getting hit by football. Did that come anywhere? <laughs> no. I can oh. see why you confused the two, though. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a silent documentary from 1929. Uh, a Russian documentary. Which is, I mean, it's really interesting. It would be in my top ten. Um, but the best documentary ever? I'm not sure. There's a lot of camera trickery in there. W- have you guys got a favourite documentary that you would have? You would have picked. Yeah, Spinal Tap. It's amazing. But it's uh, just it, it's you know it's a simple story of a a small uh, or not not small a massive uh, rock band uh, just you know promoting their latest album. It's, uh, I don't, true I don't true really story as well, I believe. True story, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really. Oh, uh, actually, in on a serious note, I think it might be um, the Imposter. Oh really? Yeah. I I really like I really like that film. Either that or there was um I'm this is gonna be completely embarrassing so I've completely forgotten what the what the film's called now. Um Dreams of a Life about the woman who oh, yeah, laid yeah. in her flat dead for three years and no one no one noticed basically. Um which is just completely heartbreaking. It's it's really clever. Um mm. I don't know whether either of you guys have seen it. Yeah. But they go through it and they don't tell you but they, there's no caption. They don't tell you what relation she was to her, they were to, to, uh, this woman. And you kind of just find out gradually through, through the film, okay, this, this guy was her boyfriend for a long time, and this guy was her boyfriend afterwards, and this guy, like, she slept on his, uh, sofa just a few weeks before she must have died, etc. Mm. Um, so it's, it's completely, it's heartbreaking, really. Um, but I don't know about the veracity of it, cause I, her family aren't involved, and I think they get a bit of a bum deal. Uh, wherein, whereas in fact they actually hired private detectives to try and track her down and stuff. So mm. I think just just for that, I think the imposter would have to edge it, edge it for me. I wasn't that keen on the imposter. I mean, I thought it was quite a good, um, almost like a thriller, really. Which yeah. is why I wasn't so keen on it. I felt it was a little bit too manipulative for me. Um, I think but... that's the problem. With, uh, again, that's the problem with a lot of documentaries. That was definitely the problem with, oh, yeah, the, yeah. with the second one that I mentioned. Um, because yeah, you're led to believe that basically her family didn't really care um, mm. and that wasn't the case at all I knew that going into it because I'd read quite a lot about the, the subject um, but yeah I think yeah. you do always have to take I, I think Blackfish is probably slightly more manipulative it is uh, but I really liked Blackfish actually yeah, it is, <laughs> so it, is, it completely it, nulls my uh, previous comment yeah uh, I think another one as well is uh, another one that I've seen which is kind of dodgy in its uh, standing is, is Gasland about the whole fracking situation in the US, um, which kind of part, tries to pass itself off as someone just being a bit concerned about it because he's got a letter about it going on near his house, but is actually uh, quite bit of an activist iffy. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Steve? Have you got a favourite? Um, a couple, really. Both ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries. One's The Tale of Two Escobars about um, Pablo Escobar, the Colombian drug baron and Andreas Escobar, mm. the central defender who scored an own goal to knock out uh, a quite good Columbia side from USA 94 and ended up getting shot 
as soon as he mm. stepped off the plane back at home. And then the Hillsborough one, I can't remember the exact title for it, it might just be Hillsborough, but was considering all the truth and everything that's come out about Hillsborough in the last probably 18 months, um, was a, was probably the best documentary I've seen on that subject and it tackled it really well. I think that's the thing, isn't it, with a documentary? As long as it, it has a, like, a genuine emotion to it, which is, you know, going back to Blackfish, I mean, those people, okay, yeah, it is slightly manipulative, but there's a real, like, sense of right about it, what they're trying to do. So I think if you've got a film, you know, like that Hillsborough one, that's, that's got a real message to it and there's, there's something important there being said, and it actually is a really well-made documentary. Then, then yeah, I'm all for it, really. But um, there is a there is a documentary in the top ten list on Sight and Sound, um, which is basically about a guy who films potatoes, <laughs> French avant-garde film. Was yeah. this, I thought we'd stop talking about Spice World now. Is this? <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> this, this is why. I, this is why I boycott Sight and Sound. You reckon they do get a bit. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you can say that, but it is voted for by lots of different people. You know, yeah. But, filmmakers, documentary makers, critics. Yeah, but they're all uh, pretentious arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why, why would anyone vote for a documentary about someone filming spuds? Is it time lapse? I mean, cause that can be <laughs> quite interesting. Like, what, what is actually the point, and why would anyone vote for that? It's oh, ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but that's what these people are like. I think yeah. they're doing it to take the mick out of us. They don't really like it. They're just so someone genuinely has made a documentary like that, and they're all just doing, it, and they're just voting for it to wind us up, just to take the mick and see, <laughs> it, and see if people like rise to it or go, oh yeah, well it's really arty, and all these people at Sight and Sound say it's good, so it must be good, and it's all fantastic. No, they're having a song. It's probably going to be the first time ever, but it's comparable then in that sense to something like Human Centipede. Or Serbian film, something that just has a reputation, so people want to see it for for that reputation. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's end this part and uh, hurry on to the review of Guardians of the Galaxy. So our big new release review uh, this week is the new Marvel. Studios release Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, here's a clip. Drop it. Uh, hey. I don't think I like Drop it now. Hey, cool man. No problem. No problem at all. How do you know about this? I don't even know what that is. I'm just a junker, man. I'll just just check us okay. out. You don't look like a junker. You're wearing rabbit to God. It's a, just an outfit, man. Ninja Turtle, you better stop poking me. What is your name? My name is Peter Quill, okay? Dude, chill out. Move! Why? Ronan may have questions for you. Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys? Move! I forget this. So that was um, a clip then of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm going to hand over to probably Owen, who is probably the biggest comic book fan um, 
out of the lot of That's us to kind, cool. of, to, to kind of provide a bit of background to the Guardians of the Galaxy for us. Maybe. Well, that's very that's very kind of you, Steve, but I don't actually read much Marvel. And <laughs> to be honest, Guardians of the Galaxy, I've only read two issues of a comic at all, of, of anything to do with them before watching this. Um, I think I'm not alone in that either. Even amongst a lot of comic book readers, Guardians of the Galaxy aren't usually high up on people's reading lists. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, if you want a little bit of background about them, they're just, um, you've got a guy who's a human, um, the Star-Lord, uh, as he calls himself. Um, mm, most most importantly Earth. that he calls himself, I think. He calls himself <laughs> that, yeah. So he's taken from Earth when he was a kid in the 80s, um, and he ends up joining with a group of, I don't know what you call them, mercenaries? We call them mercenaries, different people anyway. Um, kind of like Firefly, I guess, if you've ever seen Firefly, just a group of these people who get together and try and save the world. Group of wrongans. Um, a group of wrongans, that'll do, Steve. Bunch of wrongans. One, one of them is a tree, uh, one of them is a raccoon, um, one of them's a green princess, who is the daughter of Thanos, but not quite the daughter of Thanos, but we'll leave that there. And one of them is Drax the Destroyer, who um, in the film is played by Batista, and he's played brilliantly. But um, yeah, I mean, I am going to just end there, though, and hand it over to Carol, because Carol has seen the film twice already, and is planning a third visit as well. Well, well I'm, I'm planning a second visit, that's how much I enjoyed it. You know, you're not the only people that have said this, either. I, like, plenty of people have said this to me, that they're going to be going two and, and three times, and this is just, this is ridiculous. Um, it's just, yeah, it's I, just I, well fun. Yeah, it's just, it's well, is that, is that your review? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. They well can put that on the poster the if they want. They can put that on the back of the DVD. Steve, <laughs> failed critics, well fun. <laughs> Five star. Um, yeah, I, I know a little bit, I've read a little bit of um, Guys of the Galaxy. I was actually reading the, I think what they've loosely based this film on. It's not actually follow. it's not actually following a particular uh, comic storyline, but I, the lineup is based on um, the series from 2008. Which is actually, uh, if you're a comics fan, it's on sale at Comicsology at the moment. Uh, so I got it the other day and had a read of it and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know, they, they're not really that high up on my knowledge list either, to be perfectly honest. Um, this was probably the one that I went into knowing the least about. Um, but that's obviously been catered for, <clears throat> excuse me, that's obviously been catered for in the film because, you know, they, they fully aware that no one knows who these people are and it's kind of it's even played up to at the beginning with the with the star lord thing it's like who is i I don't know who (laughs) star lord is that that's in the trailer so it's not a spoiler um but yeah it is as as steve said i don't think i can really add anything to that now. no it's quite it's quite quite strange in so much as they picked kind of to go into this marvel universe they picked a less less well known especially to non-comic book fans group of characters um, and the casting was quite brave because although he's he's lost a lot of weight now, it basically main go- main character was a chubby guy from a sitcom uh, you've got Oscar winning Bradley Cooper playing a, a raccoon so you can't even see his face and you've got kind of Vin Diesel like an action star as well can't even see his face and he and he has three free words to say <laughs> yeah in, in that respect the, the casting was not so much strange, but quite brave. 
Um, as well as that, I mean, b- including Batista, Dave Batista, but, but he's one of the main characters. Well, he's he's the biggest he's the biggest surprise out of the lot, and you just think Drax is a destroyer. Well, they've got a wrestler in because he's going to be big, like big build, physical. He's called the Destroyer. That's quite apt, and he's actually really good at you know with his diet. He gets a lot of good lines, and he's really funny. I think he warms up into it. He, I, I wasn't sure about him at first, but by the end, I was completely sold. Um, he's kind of the first the first time you meet him. I was kind of oh, I'm not really sure about this guy. Um, and then by the end of the film, you, you just completely yeah, you completely buy it. And the, the kind of more emotional bits in the middle, which I don't want to give away at the moment. Obviously, we don't do spoiler alert at the end of this podcast. Um, the kind of emo- more emotional bits in the middle, you, you do absolutely buy that as well. And yeah, I was I was complete. I was just completely knocked out by him. Um, I I wrote in my review on the site that um, he stands up to Chris Pratt quite easily in the in the comedy kind of stakes. And, and yeah, Chris Pratt is a very very funny guy. But you're expecting him to be funny because you know he is funny. Um, you're not expecting Batista to be that funny. And it's it's all completely deadpan. And it's it's just it's wonderful. Really really good. Yeah, absolutely. And the the it is the whole film is just so funny, I think, is the main thing. It's not just limited to Chris Pratt and um Batista, weirdly saying Batista is one of the funny things. But it's it, the whole thing is just it's got an air of like fun about it. Um it's a proper adventure film, isn't it? Pro- a proper like not the space opera, the epic kind of thing we'd no. expect, but a really just fun sci-fi action adventure I mean, it's, it's, uh, some people have said it is Star Wars for a new generation. It's not really... It, it is and it isn't, because it is a, a space adventure film. Um, but that's probably where the similarity ends between the two. But I can see what people mean when they make that comparison. But the tone of each film is completely different. Guardians of the Galaxy is much funnier. Um... Uh, yeah, well, but, James Gunn didn't rip off an Akira Kurosawa film either, did he? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think from from what I've, as I said, my my knowledge of the, of the characters is limited. But I think from what I've read, it's just completely in keeping with the tone of the book as well, which was, I think, a lot of people, well, the few people that read it, it was their concern was they were going to not really be able to keep up with the tone. But the, yeah, the comedy kind of stylings definitely come from the book. Uh, especially when it comes to Rocket, uh, who, for my my money, does actually get most of the best lines. <laughs> and didn't he look really good as well? Yeah, he yeah, looks amazing. CGI was brilliant. And, and Groot does as well. See, uh, Groot looks just incredible. There are certain things, uh, again, I don't want to give it away, but there are certain things that he does which just, um, you, you just completely buy into the fact that there's just a massive lumbering tree just walking around. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 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 rendering on both of those was just amazing. And to be honest, the whole film to me looked really, really excellent. It looked like um, I don't know whether you've ever read a book called Hyperion by Dan Simmons. There's like this um on on the front of that. There's this kind of massive landscape and and the kind of, uh, there's a baddie standing there. But it it kind of really reminded me of that. It's just this kind of from the pulpy science fiction novels of the seventies, just massive epic landscapes and, and everything the whole thing just just looked amazing to I mean me. considering it's CGI as well all CGI it looked from you know the planet that he starts off on finding uh, the orb which you see in the trailer so it's not a spoiler 
to when they go to nowhere, and it just all looks amazing. Yeah, and it, it does. And it, well, you kind of know it's CGI, it's quite obvious, but it doesn't, you know, it's not, I'm trying to think the best way to say it, but it's not kind of, you're not going to think... It doesn't look like everything's on a green screen. Yeah, you're not, like you're not sat Wars. there thinking, that's, that's, that's CGI, say, that's CGI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look like but Star Wars well, prequels. Yeah, but as well as the, um, you know, the, the CGI, I think the actual special effects they use anyway, you know, all the makeup and everything, they've done a fantastic job at that as well. Mm. I mean, I didn't recognise half the actors in it. Drax um, looks great. Drax looks pretty much as as he, as he should do. Yeah. I know a lot of people are a bit annoyed with the, with, with the direction that his character has kind of taken uh, with his motivations, etc. But, um, yeah, he looked, he looked brilliant. And, yeah, uh, yeah, the whole thing just looked fantastic. I totally bought into um, uh, Vin Diesel's voice as well. <laughs> we, and we yeah. know he's got, he's got a talent for voicing over things. Um, but uh, he was, he was just fantastic. You, you sort of, even though it was the same three words over and over, <clears throat> uh, you sort of you knew exactly what he was trying to say. I hear, I, I read today that he's actually dubbed it in about twelve different languages, so you always get his voice, <laughs> which is just brilliant. Amazing. I suppose Groot is the same in every language. Yeah, exactly. You, so. You've just got the yeah. It's only, it's <laughs> yeah. only two it words. Just, be, yeah. just the prefix. <laughs> yeah, Je m'appelle Groot. Um, Although in a New Jersey accent, yeah, still <laughs> French, but New Jersey accent. But yeah, they, I mean, I think he found out enough about all the characters, well, for kind of a origin story. There wasn't any of the main characters that kind of neglected in terms of. You didn't find out a lot about any of them, with the exception of possibly uh, Star Lord, but you didn't find out nothing about any of them as well. Yeah, I think you, I think that was a problem in trying to set up so many characters at, at the same time. Was you just kind of got a crib note version of their backstory. It's just mm. like, oh yeah, I was kidnapped, uh, and and you know the, the other uh, stories that happen as well. You just kind of get a little kind of one sentence explanation. I mean, even uh, the whole even Quills, which is the most fleshed out. You kind of go back to it halfway through, and 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 uh, it, it's explained a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think that's always going to be a problem. I think, to be honest, uh, the one kind of weak link in the in the film for me was just the lack of motivation for the bad guys. Um, you don't really find out why they're trying to destroy everything. It's just that they do want to. I don't know. I think you found out a fair bit about Ronan, the accuser's motivation. I don't think you're ever going to find out too much about Thanos and what he's up to until possibly Avengers yeah, 2, maybe even further nice. down the line than that. Um, Avengers three, I think. Yeah, he's in the third. Probably be the way. I know. I think he's meant to appear in Avengers two at some level, um, but I'm not sure. How, but you know, I don't. I think his motives are going to be revealed slowly and possibly just through post credit scenes until the third Avengers film. I think yeah. he found out about Ronan the Accuser. He was a hardcore of um, whatever species he was who didn't like the Nova, the Nova Corps and. Wanted to destroy them because of, you know, even though there's a ceasefire because of family history and things like that. And he's just a typical maniacal bad guy. I didn't really think that was enough of an explanation. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I can't really 
Yeah, I can't really put my finger on it, but it just kind of, I don't know. Uh, yeah, obviously he's like a fanatical Cree blue-skinned chap. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit like uh, Christopher Eccleston, wasn't it, in um, Thor 2? Yeah. He's just an evil elf. Yeah. That's all you need. He's just an evil elf. Yeah. He's out to do bad things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Some people are just dicks, but <laughs> is it, you know, I don't believe anyone could be 100% a dick. Apart from Ronan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I wasn't I wasn't actually gonna go go into Thanos because I wasn't sure whether we were gonna leave it for spoiler alert, but seeing as you have mentioned him um, it's, it's not really a spoiler, I think people do know that he's he's in there. I think there have been pictures released now, haven't there? Mm. I yeah. I really didn't feel like his appearance actually added anything. In fact it kind of lessened his threat. This is one of the big the big bads of the of the whole universe. Everything's gonna be leading up to him. Uh, so to have this kind of uh, like little cameo, basically, and I'm sorry, but he did look rubbish. Like he looked no worse than the Hulk did in Avengers. But then you put him next to Rocket and Groot, and you see how much worse he looks. It, the, I think the problem he's got a very cartoonish face in the film, in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's what is kind of. He's got a silly-looking helmet on, and it's yeah. just a bl- big blue thing, and it just purple, looks actually. like... Is it what, purple, <laughs> blue, it's all the same. Um, but he, he kind of just looked to me exactly the same as Hulk did. Because I'd read beforehand that people were going, oh, well, he looks he lets the film down because he looks so bad compared to everything else. Um, so I went in expecting him to look shit, and I was like, oh, well, I don't know what people are complaining about. He's just... Hulk, but blue or purple. Yeah, may well, yeah, maybe if you go in thinking that, you wouldn't be so disappointed. I was just, I mean, it doesn't even matter because he's only on stage, he's only on on screen for about five minutes, less than that. Um, <laughs> but just when he moves and when he talks, he just he looks rubbish yeah. to me. And I don't really want to go into specifics, but the whole, I think the film just kind of serves to dumb down his threat a little bit. Basically, I think it could have done without him actually being in that. That position he was in. Uh, I think he. I think he's in the film mainly because his two daughters are, um, and you know he's like the emperor of the galaxy or whatever. So he's his two daughters are in the film. And to be fair to Guardians of the Galaxy, it although if you are a fan of the previous Marvel films, it fits in with that whole series. But it is pretty much standalone. You don't need to have seen Iron Man or Avengers or. Thor or mm. anything like that to to be up to speed with this. You, you you can just go to Guardians of the Galaxy and enjoy it as just a a space adventure film. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just having him in there is just to give you the idea that there is more to come. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just felt that it didn't really serve his character too much uh, to be ultimately pointless uh, as as he is. But that, yeah, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> Banging soundtrack though. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> quality. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've had a real problem with this soundtrack ever since I saw it. Like I I I've now been I think I like saw it ten or eleven days ago, and I've had at least one of the soundtracks in my one of the soundtrack songs in my head every day. And I went uh, shopping yesterday, and I went to HMV, and they were playing it in there just to wind me up even further. <laughs> just it felt it, like just have it get on Spotify. I've I've downloaded it. I've been I've been walking around with it for most of the, most of the week as well. But yeah, uh, cracking soundtrack. 
little bit of me, a bit surprised it managed to get a, a 12A certificate. Not really. Well, I was just about to ask, because you went to the Q&A, didn't you, Carol? Yes. With James Gunn there. Did they mention anything like that? Because he is, I mean, you look at something like Slither or Super. Yes, yeah, They're very, Super. like, violent and gory <laughs> films. Yeah, um, I, well, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think there was anything too out of the ordinary. I think there was a lot of, kind of, language. Um, hmm. but if you look at um, films that... Yeah, one reference to a certain artist. Oh, uh, yeah, but hilarious. that's, I think that, I think that's okay because you have to fill in the, the gaps, but that got probably <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there laugh. was definitely, there was definitely a parent sat opposite me at the fill in some gaps there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was, um, yeah, that, that was definitely, I think that probably got the biggest laugh, definitely the second screening that I was at. Uh, not so much at first, because there were a lot of kids there. There was a lot of squirming parents. But yeah, you look at things that we used to watch, um, and with PG, and you'd be amazed. I was, um, I remember going to see, uh, Men in Black at the cinema, and you know, there's quite a lot of swearing in that, and that's a PG. You, you don't really think about it so much. Um, I remember actually seeing Ghostbusters, as going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, mm. the first time I saw it, and it wasn't on TV. I got the DVD because I'd always had it recorded off the telly onto tape, and um, and I was just amazed and horrified at how much swearing there was in that. <laughs> even even Egon gets in on the action. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think as long as you don't say you know a couple of golden words, I think it's I think it's basically pretty much anything, isn't it? I think it's just in keeping with the characters as well, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it keeps James Gunn's humour in there as well. Yeah, I mean it might not be as gory as some of his other stuff is, you know. But it still feels like a James Gunn film. Yeah, it feels it feels like probably the most James Gunn film ever made, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And the <laughs> fact that he's managed to do it with a, a mega budget film is just is incredible. Um yeah. yeah, it I I was I think I was a little bit worried about him being sanitized for a um a younger audience, but yeah, I definitely shouldn't have worried about that. <laughs> uh I think that brings them our uh, non-spoiler discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy to a close. Um, we are going to do a spoiler alert coming up shortly. Before we go, though, um, our recommendations for uh, next week. I'm going to go with Netflix. And the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug is going to be on UK Netflix from the 8th of August. Nice. Um, Owen? Unlucky. Um, there's the, um, Paul Thomas Anderson film Punch Drunk Love, which is on Saturday evening, stroke Sunday morning, um, 20 past midnight on film four. Uh, probably the only time any of us will ever recommend Adam Sandler films, but he's really good in it. Uh, and it's well worth a watch. And Carol. Um, I'm actually going to recommend a film that's out on Blu-ray now, which is the Lego movie. Sorry, James. I I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, what, what was that? Lego? Leg, Lego. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's it, pronounced yeah. Lego. Lego. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which Owen cynically said was just a big advert for Lego. Well, it is. Of course it, it is. is. It's called the it Lego is a movie. big advert. Yeah. But it's but it's incredibly, it's just one of the best adverts I've ever seen in that case. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. I, I, I loved it. Um, and it's got a, a very strange... Uh, change of pace which kind of actually works which is which is pretty good um yeah definitely one for the hyperactive kids 
Uh, so yeah, that's all for, for this week's Failed Critics Podcast. Uh, join us next week where we'll have uh, new release reviews including the Inbetweeners movie 2, um, the second one. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, enough said. Yeah, and, um, and some others probably. If you want to stick around for um, Spoiler Alert where we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy in a lot more detail, please do. Although, Matt Lamborn, if you haven't seen the film yet, don't <laughs> stay around for this bit. It'll just ruin it for yourself. Yeah, don't moan at us for yeah. it either. Don't complain um, if you ruin the film for yourself after this extensive warning not to listen to this bit of the podcast. Yeah. Just take your headphones out or mm. turn your radio off in your car. Stop. Go outside. Turn off now. Yeah. Throw your laptop out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Um... So yes, welcome to Spoiler Alert. Guardians of the Galaxy review continued. Probably where we start with all spoiler alerts for these Marvel-type films is going to be the post-credit um, spoilers. Stinger. Stingers. Yeah. Spoilers. Whatever they want. Scenes. Whatever they are. <coughs> Two in this one. Um, unusually, none of them tease a future Marvel film. That's what you think. I think it might be the first example of it teasing a previous Marvel film. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. You know, just good, the, the one film pre this new Marvel universe is going to be the head with the duck. That's the only one that's going to be included. That would be a bizarre decision. <laughs> yes. I, yes. I actually, um, I didn't get the post credits. Marvel held it back from the previews, um, that everyone was shown. To, to keep it a surprise. So there were lots and lots of rumours flying around about who it was. It's a very strong rumour they were going to announce Doctor Strange, so I was quite excited about that. Um, and so when I actually, I, I accidentally found out what it was, because I was planning to go to the cinema again for a third time to see it, um, but I accidentally found out what it was, and I honestly did think it was a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I, just, I, don't, I don't get it. Uh, I don't think Marvel did themselves any favours by holding it back, to be perfectly honest. I think everyone was really kind of hyped up for it, and then it just turned out to be, oh god, it's how dark. Well, you, you know, don't say do I didn't. <laughs> what are they going to yeah. do with it? Yeah, I mean, what was the point of? Well, just it's a nice little treat for anyone who stuck around to watch the credits, really, isn't it? That's what it's meant to be. Well, I know, but they usually like set up another film, don't they? That, or... That's exactly what they were saying. It was going to be a, a teaser to. To, to um, you know, not the next film, but one that's coming up. Uh, nah. You know, it's it's an interesting choice. Um, Unless it was a teaser for the dog. What's his Cosmo. name? Um, Cosmo. Cosmo. Yeah, I can't wait until yeah. he learns to talk. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Russian dog. Um, Some somebody, oh, idiot! Some idiot in in my screen and walking out uh, was trying to explain to his girlfriend it was actually Laika, the first dog in space sent by the Russians. One idiot! Oh, I bet he feels stupid oh, now. God, Once he went over and read up on that, I bet he felt like a right idiot. I can't imagine <laughs> how much of an idiot that guy feels oh. right at this very moment. I hope I he's listening imagine. to this podcast, he's realised he's wrong, and he's cringing in the corner. He's just thinking, I oh. really hope, he should basically, he should just go and, like, I don't know, tread on a plug or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, you, I don't think you were the only person to, to think that as well, to be honest. I didn't think that. It was genuinely someone else. It wasn't someone yeah, else. Yeah, of course. I oh, knew no, it was <laughs> my friend. said it on his face. My friend said it. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, it's probably, if you don't know, that's probably a very easy yeah. mistake to make. Oh, I don't know. I, no, the name of the dog is true nerd behaviour, but, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, Cos, Cosmo, the mind reading dog, mind reading Russian speaking dog. Uh, he, he's pretty cool. I can't wait until Nurse Talk turns up in the, in the next one. I hope he does. Cause, you know, I mean, we've, we've come, come along with a tree and a raccoon in this one. Why not a talking dog? And a talking duck. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Uh, but I mean, I wasn't that impressed with it. I read before the trip. I was going to say you didn't. Before. You didn't stay for it. Owen, Owen doesn't I anymore. I did, he reads them up first and doesn't. I, I read it first. Yeah, I did. I looked up to see what it was. I checked to see if it spoiled the film. I said, you know, is it going to spoil the actual story? Is there anything that's going to be revealed? No, it's good. I'll read up what it is. Okay, it's Howard the Duck. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> I, well, the more interesting bit. To me, is um, Adam Warlock's cocoon being uh, open? Well, mm. why don't we just start this bit now? Who saw what in the collector's bit museum I, at any uh, point? I did not see the duck. Uh, apparently, he is visible earlier, but I did not. Oh, see really? Him. I saw the uh, one the, of those dark elves. That's about it, really. No, the, I did. I saw a Chitauri. There's a dog and duck. There's a dog and duck. Dog and duck, yeah. Yeah. There's a Chitauri. There's a dark elf. There's apparently Adam Warlock's tomb Cocoon. thing. Cocoon. And apparently there's also the alien slug thingy from Sliver. Yeah, oh, I Sliver, completely yeah, missed that. Of them. I, um, need, I think I need to go and watch it again. <laughs> the third time. That would be brilliant if that gets incorporated into the Marvel Universe. Imagine those attacking the Avengers. That would be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's one of, that's going to be a, a film that's going to that's going to be a scene in the film that rewards much freeze framing. Mm. Like there's a similar mm. one in Captain America, isn't there, where he's going through the threat list? Yeah, and, and uh, that's yeah. still not out on DVD yet. Is Comes it? out so in no, a couple of weeks. So no one's been able to sort. No one's gone on and paused it yet, and like gone right. Well, there's Iron Man's house, and there's someone else's house, and there's someone else, and that's all the you people. You do that... see Avengers Tower in it. Yeah, I I know Avengers Tower with the Quinjet mm. that's in there, um, mm. but yeah, so it's going to be a similar thing. You're just going to basically be freeze framing it. Yeah, and you're watching it at home. Going, oh, oh it's the, the day that's well, out, well, well, other be... people will. I'll just read it. Yeah, <laughs> Some, yeah, I'm not wasting my time doing it. Someone else will do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay. What favorite bit straight off the bat? What's your favorite bit then? Then we can talk about it spoiler free. Um. Dance off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dance off or Kevin Excellent. Bacon. The footloose. Kev- story Kevin Bacon has seen the film. Uh, he he tweeted out uh, earlier. I think it was early on today or yesterday. I can't remember. He he has seen the film and he does approve. I kind of like the idea of everyone being measured as a like a unit of Kevin Bacon, with Kevin Bacon being the ultimate, and then everyone else kind of being less. <laughs> yeah. A, a certain degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> it means he can never feature as a character, no, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because well, he exists there as Kevin Bacon. Well, he, he kind of has already, hasn't he? But not actually in Marvels. He was, um. He was, uh, yeah. He's in uh, first class. He's in, as, what's his name? I can't remember his name. From the Hellfire Club. That's embarrassing, Sebastian isn't it? Sebastian Shaw. Shaw. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. But he's not in the actual Marvel no, Cinematic he probably Universe. Wouldn't be. And it means he can only unless he turns up as Kevin Bacon the superhero. I think that'd be a bit too become, meta. That would be quite meta. <laughs> there's there's too many fu- best bits. Um I, Groot yeah. taking out the whole corridor of people and his face uh, afterwards. Th- I, that, is in, that was probably the biggest laugh in my cinema. I loved some of Drax's quotes, though. You know, <laughs> the first one that really got me was that uh, nothing goes over yeah. my head. My, refle- my reflexes are too fast. I, thought, yeah, <laughs> I would catch them. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> or the finger to the de- th- finger to the neck means death. Yeah. Why would I wipe my Why would I wipe my <laughs> finger across his neck? It means death. Uh, or when he took the guy's knife. That was my favourite knife. Uh, that was just a nice little touch that just made everyone erupt with laughter. I think there's just loads of brilliant lines, and most of the, the very funny ones come through Drax, I think. Mm, I think, yeah, the dance-off bit was just ridiculous in every way, which is what's so good about it. But it, it was it was fitted. It was, it's just, <laughs> it was what, really what, good. What are you doing, dance-off? Od- <laughs> oddness yeah. is only oddness if it doesn't actually work. And yeah. uh, and it and it completely worked. It completely worked for the tone of the film. It completely works for the tone of the book as well. And yeah, I think although it's not too obsessed with being close to the book, I don't think. No, no, it's not. As I said, it's not actually based on um, anything. And in the book, in fact, Drax, I think, is created by Thanos. And I think they're not. I don't know whether they're going to go that route with the films. Uh, I know some people are a bit peeved about it. Cause it doesn't look like they are. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do about Quill's father as well, whether they keep that mm. from the book or not. I'm not sure. And I thought Rocket stole a lot of the good lines as well. The prosthetic leg bit. I've that seen that just, bit about four yeah. times now, and it cracks me up <laughs> still. Uh, and then when he said, and we need that guy's eye. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. We do. No. <laughs> to me. And, and the whole bit where he just, you know, the whole bit where they all stand. Great, now we're all stood up like idiots. I, I really <laughs> yeah. like that subversion. There's there's a couple of nice subverting bits. There was that, and there's the bit where they're kind of doing the montage. Everyone's getting ready, and they're walking down the corridor, and he's pulling at his crotch, and Gamora's yawning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really cracked me up. Yeah, um, I haven't. Re- we haven't, I don't think any of us have really talked about Gamora because a lot of her story, to me, seems like to to mention it is a spoiler. Because the very first thing she does is attack the group, mm. yeah. where she seems like an assassin, and then everything else that is revealed about her history, it's like, well, can we mention this? I mean, we can mention she's Stanos' daughter, but not really, not really. his daughter, um, which is quite a nice twist to people who aren't familiar with the character, I think. Um, and it also sets up Stanos to be even more of a, an arsehole, um, <laughs> a big bad guy. Um, but I think most of her, she was pretty good, um, yeah. Zoe Saldana. Um, I can't really think of many, you know, other than like Avatar, there's not a huge amount that I really know of. Them. Oh, and uh, Out of the Furnace, which is brilliant. Um, she's in the two new Star Trek, isn't she? As, oh, as a yeah, as a horror. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. But I mean, I thought, I thought she was really good. Really good. Yeah, yeah, I thought she was great. I thought she completely kicked ass, and she and she did end up with a couple. Not didn't get as many as the uh, funny lines as everyone else, but she did get a couple of them, like hmm. the the flash uh, footloose one. Yeah, why do yeah. people have sticks up there? We like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> We're like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I thought the, the few emotional bits there were 
had done really well as well. I mean, they opened it with a big pull on the heartstrings, didn't they? With the whole Peter yeah. Quill's yeah, mother really brave, dying. in my opinion. Mm. <laughs> and th- his mum, this blew my mind, his mum played by the girl who, in the first Inbetweeners movie, Will was trying to shag. What, the blonde one? Yeah. No way. Yeah. I blew my mind when I found wow. that out. Like, what? No. What? So, <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. I'm not sure I do believe you. No, it I'm is. Gonna, I'm going to go on IMDb that yeah. later. <laughs> it, true facts. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a brave way to open it, especially the way kind of they teased it as kind of this fun space adventure. And then the first thing you see is, is the kid's mum dying. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, it was a really kind of bold way to open it. I was, uh, and then like literally within the, ni- the next five minutes, you're getting him like strutting through some alien land as the credits play and you're, you're like, okay, so I, I know where this film is going. <laughs> yeah. This is the whole film summed up in the first five minutes, really. <laughs> and then, and then we had drunk, drunk rocket, which was a bit, they're telling about, why he doesn't like being called a rodent and his well, he's history. Not a rodent, is he? He's an alien. The little bit of history you find out about him, though, and it's yeah. I wasn't. I'm not. Not that I like, didn't like that bit. I just didn't like it. I just didn't think it really worked very well for me. I thought it worked quite well. I didn't think it was necessary to go quite as um, schmaltzy as it did. And I know I seem to be in the minority there, and it does, you know, you do need to obviously give the character a bit of depth, and it's quite a clever way of doing it. I just thought, you know, oh, cue sad music, here we go. It's just, um, yeah, a bit too easy. Um, okay, so Owen, where did you stand on We Are Groot? <laughs> didn't like We Are Groot. <laughs> did you, didn't like did you not like the whole scene, or did you just not like the We Are Groot? Uh, it was so polarised, you know, you could see it coming a mile off as soon as they were doing that, and I just thought, well, at least say, I am grouped. There's no need to go that extra hog to say, we are grouped. Vin Diesel's got to earn that fee. Yeah, he's getting, he's <laughs> yeah. getting paid by the word. He doubled his vocabulary <laughs> in one scene. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, the, there's the whole thing about Groot isn't supposed to communicate with words, is it? It's just the noise he makes. Well, it's, it depends, actually. I've seen him definitely communicate with, with actual words. Um, I, yeah. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule about it. He's also meant to be royalty. Oh, right. uh, I don't know whether they're yeah. going to follow up on that in any kind of sequels or anything. Uh, it'd be interesting if they did. Yeah, I def- I've definitely seen him speak in actual, okay. actual sentences. Um, okay, I'll, I'll bow to your superior knowledge on that. <laughs> I was <laughs> under the impression he just says, I am Groot, and it's not a, like, sentence, it's just a noise. Yeah, I've also seen him, I kind of ruined it for myself a little bit, because I knew what was going to happen. I've also seen him grow back from like a, a twig uh, before, so I knew what was going to happen there. I knew that yeah. someone was going to show up with him in a plant pot. Yeah, I didn't think <laughs> that they'd kill him off. No. Yeah, none of them were ever in any real danger, were they? No. I mean, to be honest, the, the film is about them forming as a group, and that does take a little bit of something away from it. You know, every time Michael Rooker who I really like, actually. He was really good in this as well. Yeah. Um, every time he was threatening them with that weird pencil thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just thought, well, nothing's really going to well, happen to them. I think you could pretty bad. much assume that nothing was going to kind of happen to most of them. 
at least. Yeah. Oh, Karen, Karen Gillan as um, Nebula, who I was one of these people who the effects were so good, I just didn't recognise her. Mm. I saw her name in the credits, but I didn't didn't see her. Um, I didn't recognise that was that was her. That she was terrible American accent. It wasn't a fantastic that accent, but she was. But if you're in spa- <laughs> if you're in space, why do you need to do an American accent? Well, exactly. Why don't you just stick to the Scottish one? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, she was quite good in Oculus. She had a good accent in that. But um, I guess it didn't really translate too well mm. to being... But, uh, yeah, she, she looked good. Person. She didn't really have a lot to do, though, did she, in the end? She was just um, a, no. a, a weapon. Yeah. So, not in, not in the her... offensive way that a Scottish person might call another Scottish person a weapon. <laughs> a, a but she... She, 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 her ending's still open, isn't it? Yeah. We never yeah. saw her die. No, you, you, so she, she gets into the, cause I, I was a bit confused about this the first time I saw her. I couldn't remember whether, what happened to her. And she gets into someone else's spaceship and just space, that's the last you see of her, really. Mm. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, can, yeah, can we talk about how good Lee Pace is as Ronan, actually? I, I had a really hard time remembering that was sweet, sweet Ned from Pushing Daisies. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. He, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, he was a good villain. He's a good villain. He, he was about on par with Christopher Eccleston. Mm, he was good, but I never really found him to be that intimidating and that kind of. He just did a lot of open mouth stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and it just, it just really distracts me when actors do that. Just try and be imposing with a gob hanging open. Um, <laughs> I suppose to, to to round off spoiler alert. Then I mean we've mentioned the post credit scenes. So where does this set up the Marvel universe now? Because usually we have like I say a, a something teasing the next film, and we haven't. Um, we obviously assume that uh, they, well they've announced a sequel for 2017. Um, yeah, and Chris Pratt said. He's up for it. I think everyone else is up for it. I imagine his and, contract says he's up for it. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Avengers 3 is when it seems that the Guardians of the Galaxy will meet the Avengers um, and time with Thanos Possibly, yeah. and everything. That seems to be where it's heading. That 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 makes me think, you know, you're going to have... You've got, at the moment, you've, for Avengers 2, you're going to have um, seven Avengers, aren't you? You're going to have Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye, um, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver. So that's seven Avengers. Plus they've mm-hmm. brought War Machine into that, that now. Alan's going to actually be Vision. So that's nine. Plus the guy, that's 14. Falcon, that's, I guess. Sorry? A Falcon as well. You heard from Winter Soldier. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he's been in, he, he's in it somewhere. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's ten Avengers before you get on. That's fifteen good guys before you get to bad guys. That's a lot of characters to put into a film. But um, you don't have to set them up as a as a team, no, though, do you? No, but it's just, just get kind straight of, into it. It's kind of yeah, but you know, giving them enough screen time and everything. But it's it's like um, it's going to have to have a humongous runtime, whatever Avengers series. It, we're probably looking at like a almost three hour long. Film but the way they're going at the moment, I, pro- I wouldn't mind that. I'd much prefer three hours of that than three hours of, of the Hobbit, the Transformers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I think that they are, I think it's a very good point because they're, they're trying to cram a lot in there. What might happen, possibly, depending on actors' contracts, thinking about Iron Man, they might not be in it. Or not mm, in but it. But I mean, much. like with Captain America, if Chris Evans doesn't want to carry on, they've already teed up his replacement, really, with the Winter Soldier. They have. Yeah. So, you know, 
most of these characters are interchangeable with somebody else from their own comic book. You know, if, if, um, if, um, Robert Downey Jr. decides to pack it in, you can always bring in War Machine as, um, Iron Man. And or even Rescue. Pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or we'll just completely recast it, I suppose. No, it won't option. happen. But yeah, 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 it might. It won't. I don't. I don't <laughs> think in this Marvel universe they'll be doing any kind of recasting. It'll be somebody else comes in and takes over as Iron Man, rather than yeah, Robert Downey Jr.'s gone. Well, here's another Tony Stark. Yeah. Don, Don Cheadle wasn't War Machine. No, but he person. wasn't kind of a major character, was he? I guess not. And you know, of course. The the big one is Ed Norton, because mm. Hulk was recast. Yeah, I think it's the the there is room for them to do that. They're, I, th- but like, I, I think they're too yeah. far gone with some of them now. Like yeah. like uh, Downey Jr. has played Stark four times and has been brilliant in every one of them. No one else can see anyone else being Tony Stark at the moment. Whereas that first Hulk film was so whack that. Hang on, first or second? Second, whichever, both. It's not that the, bad. The, 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 bad. the one that's part of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah. It's, not not, the it's, not that, it's not as bad as the Ang Lee one. It's pretty bad, though. It, well, that's not, oh no, that's not saying much. So you can, but... so you can, ju- <laughs> so you can justify them changing who the Hulk is. Yeah, there was a, was um, bad. uh, th- there was a, um, trivia bit on IMDb that I was reading earlier, um, that stated, uh, Tony Stark was meant to cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. But they scrapped it because at the time they weren't really sure whether he was going to carry on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So it was all the contract like, negotiations mm. and stuff. But in the books, he has actually joined Guardians of the Galaxy previously. Um, yeah. So it would be quite interesting to, to see them go that route and go the whole cosmic. Because the thing is, if this film does well, and let's face it, with a 95 million opening, you're going to have to say that it is going to do really well. You're opening up like a whole other side uh, to, to the universe. You're opening up like all the cosmic stuff. Uh, mm. Like the Kree, more Kree. You're opening up the scrolls. You're opening up an awful lot of stuff. And the Infinity Gauntlet's sort of coming That's together all, yeah, very slowly. Yeah, it seems to be kind of what's what's going to be the, the uh, main crux of the third Avengers film, I think. Which yeah, is two um, or three of them. I think what is now. the what is the next Marvel film out? Is it Ant Man? It's it? meant to be Ant Man. Ant Man and Avengers two in the same and year, Avengers isn't it? Two in the same year, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> mm. Because if Ant Man goes well, then there's someone else who's going to probably be in Avengers three. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's eleven good guys. No, sixteen good guys. Before yeah, you get I think the anyone gonna... who comes out of the anyone who comes out of the Netflix Marvel series, or yeah. you know, I, I think Agents of Shield gets bigger. You know, I think what you're probably going to see is just like a revolving door. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be seeing uh, many of the original Avengers in in the third one. 
Uh, it's just going to be a, well, basically like it is in, in the series. It's just going to be a revolving door of people just all calling themselves yeah. the Avengers, which is a great way to set it up because then obviously people get bored and they don't want to play, play, be playing the same character for fifteen years. You just kind of get someone else in. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say anything about Avengers to people who aren't listening, but you've probably also got someone else who will be part of the group coming out of that film as well. Just Avengers two. Yeah. Who? So because <laughs> I think who. Uh, I'll tell you after the podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, let's just let's just, end, let's just end there then. That's all for uh, for spoiler alert and for this week's podcast. So thanks for listening and join us again roughly the same time next week. Uh, I thought you were going to say they're going to make all the the new Spice Girls movie just all men, just complete switcheroo. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know whether people are just saying this because the director's been uh, attached because he typically does do a lot of kind of female driven. Uh, female-led mm. comedy, doesn't he? Mm. So yeah, this is how I'd, it's just all just hearsay and conjecture. I'd rather just like stick my fingers in my ears and not hear anything about it. To be perfectly honest. Okay. Uh, next bit of news then: uh, Guardians of the Galaxy opened to uh, a pretty impressive box office haul of, of around a hundred million. Uh, it's very impressive, isn't it? Very impressive and unexpected. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, this is just in the US. I think it was tracking for about 65. Uh, and these things are normally quite spot on. I think it's just taken everyone by surprise. It's got, but really, it's got, it's had great reviews um, and really good word of mouth. That so, was literally just about to say exactly the same thing. It's mainly word of mouth that everyone's gone, well, it looks kind of shit, but actually, even, you know, this is people who probably wouldn't be interested in Marvel films or superhero films generally. But I've been convinced to go and see it because of all these positive reviews that have come out. And they've all, well, not all that would be a sweeping generalisation, but most people seem to like it. I think it's still about 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is high. Yeah, it is. Really high. Mm. And we'll talk about why it's so good later. (laughs) You'll you'll hear our view on it later on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And final bit of news then. Uh, Studio Ghibli, Ghibli. I'm never know how to pronounce it, but it won't be my it won't be my problem for much longer because it's closing down. I I it's not a great surprise, but it's still really gutting because it's just one of the most consistent studios ever. Um, obviously uh, Miyazaki retired last year, and I think they just they they've just said, well, you know, we can't really get anyone in to replace him. He's just too good. Mm. So we're just going to concentrate on managing our back catalogue, whatever that means. Um, but yeah, it's it's really sad. I, I like I really like The Wind Rises. Um, I think they've just released a new uh, new film in Japan, and I think that's their final one. It, I don't think it did very well in Japan, which has sort of led them to think, well, people aren't bothered now that Miyazaki's gone. Maybe not, bother, not bothered, but I don't think the enthusiasm's quite there from the public anymore. Yeah, I think um, because it happened before, didn't he? He actually retired before, and he then did. he came back. So, but the but guy who was supposed on. to, the guy who was meant to be taking over from him previously died. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name. Taka, um, ah, the guy who did Whisper of the Heart, anyway. Yeah, um, I know the guy you mean. Yeah, so he he was meant to be taken over. Obviously, he died, and then. That's kind of why he stayed on for a bit. And I think it's his son who's been doing a lot of films recently, hasn't it? 
Yes. Did his son do From Up on Poppy Hill? Um, I can't... I think so. I think that was one he did. Um, Yeah, I think he did um, Arietti as well. Uh, Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, uh, which you know, Arietti was okay. It wasn't wasn't my favourite, but um, yeah, it's just really sad. Um, but to be honest, I, I think it's quite a brave thing to do if you know that you're not going to be able to churn out as good quality films as you did. Then you know, yeah, just call it a day. I, I wish Pixar had done it. <laughs> they probably realised that now Miyazaki's gone. How little they have to work. <laughs> they don't have to work their fingers to the bone for like seventy hour weeks. Yeah. Relax a bit and think, actually, <laughs> we put out some good films and we can, can try and do something else now. Yeah, exactly. Kind of but also, you know, it's come quite soon after we've entered them into our corridor of praise. I think that was last year. Do you possibly. think that was the final, that was like the Na- Naked the Gun, the final insult? Yeah, Paul Bearer <laughs> and better watch out now. Who knows what's around the corner for him? Once you're in that corridor, that's the highest cinematic praise you're going to receive. You might just give up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go out of the top. <laughs> um, that's all for the news then, and all for part one of the podcast. We'll be up next with what we've been watching. So what we've been watching now, we take a look at the films we've seen over the last seven days or so, aren't necessarily new releases. Uh, I, some of you may have known, joined along with me on Twitter, watched Sci-Fi Channel's premiere of Sharknado 2, the second one. Um, that's not that's not me. That is actually the tagline for it. Um, <laughs> could have thought of many better things for myself. They gave me half an hour, but no, they went with that one. It's rubbish. I don't don't know, I'm just going to be honest, I don't know, it's not even, I've not seen the first one, so there's a few characters in there, didn't really know anything about them, Um, I imagine all the character building uh, and and setting for them was done in the first film, it's probably where it fell down for me. Um, Yeah, that's being very generous there, (laughs) suggesting there was character building. Very generous and sarcastic, yeah. Um, (laughs) But no, it was just, it wasn't so bad, it was good, it was so bad, it was awful. Um, the acting was awful. I mean, you kind of give these sci-fi films a bit of leeway with their CGI and everything because they're working on a limited budget. So you have to look at everything else, like the plot and the acting and the dialogue, and it's all terrible. Just, <laughs> just terrible. There's, none of it makes any sense. Like, in some like disaster film like 2012 or The Day After Tomorrow, they try and make the science sound credible. There's a weather girl in this who says there's, there's shark, because obviously the sharks come out of the sky in the tornadoes, obviously. Oh, don't ruin it. Says, says there's shark fall at two inches an hour. <laughs> uh, how does, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> That's not even possible. The how shark big are the sharks? Big, a shark is bigger than two inches. <laughs> no matter what dimension, what, what dimension of the shark you're looking at, Length, breadth, height, whatever, it's bigger than two inches. So Maybe that they're make... miniature sharks. No, they're not though. <laughs> I watched it. They're not miniature. They're full sized. Um, so basically, the f- the first ten minutes are tolerable because Kelly Osborne's an air stewardess who gets her head bitten off in homage to her dad biting a, a head off a bat. I can only assume that's why that was in there. If it wasn't, then that's just even more mental. Um, there's an homage to the Twilight Zone. Um, with a shark yeah. on the wing of the plane, and the guy seeing the shark on the wing of the plane, going, there's something on the wing. Um, and then after that, it's rubbish. Awful. There's a lot of homages in, in 
back in there, though. I, I gave mean, up there's... looking after that. Well, the, there's the airplane one, which is at the start as well, about them eat, uh, the pilots not eating fish enough, just have chicken. <laughs> <laughs> there's the, the whole film is built on uh, either movie references or pop culture references, with a few cameos in there as well. Yes. And a bit uh, of chainsaw wielding. Mm, um, big old cameo for Kurt Angle and his neck. His <laughs> big neck, yeah. <laughs> that man is the worst wrestler slash actor I've seen this week out of two. Uh, and, he was, and he was some way behind the animal Dave Batista, but we'll come on to that later. We can, we can, we, you can pull it into a bracket of three that have had like debuts in the past couple of weeks, if you include The Rock with Hercules. And yeah, Kurt Angle's right at the bottom of those two. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, they're going to make a third one, aren't they? Let's just face it. Do we know what the viewing figures were? Because I think it was it was broadcast on in the US on, on the same night, wasn't it? Well, it was broadcast in the US, and yeah, that's right, and here at the same time. And I actually recorded it off the telly when it was shown here at the same time, which was at something like two in the morning. But I have no idea what the viewing figures are. I, th- they, I think they, the last one did phenomenally well for sci-fi. Yeah, it was so... I mean, it had the whole... Um, you know, it went viral, didn't it? You know, there was lots of... Um, retweets of the, the, the image. I think people just couldn't believe that a film that was called Sharknado, enough said, was made, <laughs> you know? And James was absolutely furious when he watched it. I think he paid for it on DVD, and he couldn't what? believe how he Well, that's his own fault, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, all I want, if they make a third one, Dean Kane to be in it. Now that's a man you don't see a lot of these days. Exactly. So. He w- yeah. he was in another Asylum film that was um what was that one? Arctic Predator, I think. Right. That's just rubbish. Do not watch that one. Um, not, he won't save it for you, I'm afraid. But the, the more work he get, quite frankly, I'd have cast him as Superman in the new in the new films. <laughs> I don't know. He must be about. He must be pushing like fifty now, surely. Doesn't matter. You've got, an old, you've got an old grizzled Batman, you can have an old grizzled Superman played by Dean Cain. <laughs> who, for my money, is the second best uh, Superman we've ever seen After behind Ralph, Christopher yeah. Reeve. So, um, but anyway, yeah, so don't bother wasting... Watch the first sort of 15 minutes while they're, until they get off the plane on Sharknado 2, then then give up on it. Tara Reid uh, looks I nothing like... Of... Tara Reid looks nothing like Tara Reid anymore. No. But one for the ladies, I did reading the paper today that she is releasing uh, her perfume called Shark so with with top <laughs> notes of lemon so yeah that's uh, it's and, going well for her at the moment I and think. made with actual shark made with bits of actual shark so Con- you know it's good yeah contains yeah. contains actual bits of shark <laughs> you haven't you haven't mentioned one of my favourite things about Sharknado which is just a really stupid simple joke but the main um, actor in it uh, Ian Zering, I think his name was. Uh, his main character is called Finn Shepherd. Nice. Isn't that just a quality name for <laughs> a guy in Sharknado? It's so subtle I didn't even notice. <laughs> oh, I'm easily pleased. I found it just brilliantly stupid. Yeah, it, it, I didn't find it brilliantly stupid. Just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> just, <laughs> still, Sci-Fi Channel liked a couple of my tweets, so, dumb, you know. Got them on board. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> they, they've noticed us. <laughs> Don't listen well. to this. I've just slagged off your, 
your biggest achievement. <laughs> um, Carol, what have you seen lately? Um, over the last few weeks, uh, I've seen a couple of films at cinema. Uh, I've seen Chef, uh, which I put off for ages. Um, I, I saw it about a month after it came out, and I was actually pleasantly surprised it was still showing in Haymarket Cineworld after a month. Uh, but I, I popped down a couple of weeks ago and, and gave it a watch. And um, it's it's a film uh, directed by and starring John Favreau, which is um, not not normally a great sign, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but um, uh, obviously, he's been doing a lot of kind of big big budget stuff uh, recently. So he did Elf uh, not so recently, and then the first couple of Iron Man's, and obviously the the last one, the Iron Man two, obviously. Um, wasn't very good, so he's gone away and, uh, and he's done his own, like, little, uh, little small budget film. And it's just basically, it's about a guy who is a chef in a restaurant and he sets up a food van. That is it. That, that is nearly two hours. But it's such a nice film. It's just such a really, it's a really, really good, feel good film. I came out of it feeling really kind of happy. It was kind of, you know, like food for the soul in cinematic form. It's, it's really nice. All the performances are really good. Um, I, there's a bit on the, um, poster that said Robert Downey Jr. is fantastic, but he's in it for about two minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, he is really good, obviously, but he's, he's in it for two minutes, and I thought that was a bit, kind of, uh, a bit crafty putting that on the poster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a really nice film. I, I, I like John Favreau. I think he's like a really, He's got that sort of everyman thing going on, and uh, and I quite like it. And uh, you've got uh, Sofia uh, Vergara, is that how, how you pronounce her name? Um, as the kind of ex-wife, like strangely supportive ex-wife, to be perfectly honest. And um, he's the guy, the, the kid who plays his son as well is is really good. Um, so he basically just takes him uh, around in the food truck, kind of in school, in school holidays. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just really nice. I haven't really got an awful lot else to say about it. It's just, um, don't go and watch it hungry. I actually don't think it's in the cinema anymore, but yeah, just definitely don't go and watch it hungry. I watched it straight after work, and I, I was so hungry afterwards, I went to McDonald's. Which is, it's not, you know, McDonald's is not my, not my food of choice. <laughs> I just needed something to eat really badly. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's a really good film. Uh, I don't think it's in, on cinema anymore, but it shouldn't be too long before it's out on, uh, video on demand and, and DVD and stuff, and I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and the other film I've been to see, uh, more recently was, um, Boyhood, which, uh, is, I think probably everyone's at least heard about it by now, um, is a film, uh, directed by Richard Linklater, and it's been filmed over 12 years, and it it follows um, a guy called, uh, kid called Mason from, I think he's from when he's 6 to when he's 18. Um, and it obviously follows the actors through this 12-year period. Um, I really, really enjoyed this film. It was almost three hours long, but I honestly didn't feel like it needed anything trimming out. It felt like a good length. I think there were probably a couple of bits where it kind of dragged slightly. But, um, yeah, it was just it's just really kind of nice film uh dealt with a lot of things very well um just kind of had that really it was a really weird um piece of cinema because it kind of goes through and you you catch up with them every so often so there are bits that aren't explained um like that for example there's a um 
a, uh, not a stepfather, but a, his uh, mother's boyfriend just kind of disappears at some point. Um, but you know, this, this is just what happens, isn't it? You know, just, things just mm-hmm. people just like come into your life, and then you know you don't always get a resolution. Um, but it's just yeah, it's really lovely, and the performance is really good. Um, I especially liked Ethan Hawke as the as the dad who kind of sorts himself out, but probably a bit bit too late really. Um, and definitely, definitely, definitely do recommend it. Um, I know a lot of people that cried during it. I didn't cry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, def- definitely worth a watch. And uh, it's, it's got excellent word of mouth. I think it's still sitting on 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so hopefully it's going to be playing for a good while yet. It's one of those films that, as, the, as soon as people saw it, absolutely everywhere was just raving about it and saying how brilliant it was. Yeah. And it wasn't shown at my local cinema. I was half tempted to make a sort of 15 to 20 mile trek to this little independent cinema to go and see it. And, um, it was only like the day before I was going to do this when I, I think those initial reviews kind of died down a little bit. And then more cynical people who are probably of the same <laughs> disposition that I am started to write about it and said, <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. It's an interesting concept and a bit shallow, perhaps, is what, what I was hearing. So I didn't end up seeing it um, and didn't, didn't make the journey because I'm lazy and I thought I'd save my money. But, um, yeah, most people who saw it originally just said how brilliant it was. And like you said, it still seems to be getting loads of positive comments anyway. Yeah, it's. I know it's doing really well in the States. I know they've been doing that kind of gradual release uh, scheme where they've just been kind of opening up more and more. And it's it's still playing really really strongly, um, and it, it may even be in possibly for some award shouts. Mm. Uh, Ethan Hawke should definitely get nominated for something because he's just he's just fantastic. He's probably the most it obviously centres on the boy, but he's probably the most interesting character in in terms of like his journey. For one, I'm not sounding like an X Factor contestant. His his journey through the film is is like the most interesting one, I think. Um, that's an interesting point about calling it shallow, though. I'm not. I can kind of see where you're coming from, um, but as I said earlier, you kind of you catch up with them every now and again. I think they actually said during the filming process they would film like once a year for five days, and it it definitely does feel a bit kind of episodic. As I said, you, mm. you do get um, people that come into their lives, and then you know you don't really see anything or hear anything of them again. Um, and it happens with like a couple of girlfriends, but that, that's probably a great example because you know you're growing up and you kind of uh, kind of start going going out with someone for for want of a better term, and then you know you might not see them again like ever, um, and that's just the way that that life is. And I think I don't I don't really think that translates into shallowness though. Well, it's not my comment. I'm just no, no. saying <laughs> <laughs> what I what I heard about it. Was um, it was it that Peter Bradshaw? <laughs> it wasn't Peter Bradshaw, no. <laughs> James's nemesis. Well, our, our default arch nemesis. Yeah. No, yeah. I definitely reckon it, it's just a, it's a really interesting, um, kind of way of, of making a film. I think it's, it's unique. Kind of, you, to my knowledge, hmm. there's not been anything, um, that's, that's been done the same way. But, um, it's, it's definitely worth the watch. You might like it, you might not, but you can't deny it. It's, it's quite an achievement, to be honest. Okay. Um, Owen, what have you seen? Um, 
Well, I've seen a few new releases. I think I've just very briefly mentioned I've seen Hercules, the new film by uh, Brett Ratner with Rock in it, which was quite good. But I've put a review on the website already, um, a written review, so I'm not going to talk about it on here. I also saw The Purge Anarchy, which Callum has reviewed on the website. Brilliant review of that as well. Um, which it, I agree with his opinion. It's a good, interesting concept. Um, kind of B-movie, violentish horror thriller type film. It kind of reminds me of Punisher Warzone <coughs> Warriors. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, then it's probably worth a watch. Um, but the film I'm going to actually talk about Partly inspired by the release of Sight and Sound's top 10 documentaries that came out today. Uh, I watched a film called The Great White Silence, um, not that long ago. Uh, it's a documentary, uh, from 1924, released approximately 10 years after Captain Scott's two year long, ill-fated journey to the South Pole, um, aboard the Terra Nova. Um, but it's only recently been restored, um, by the BFI. So, um, it, it, I think it came like 2011, but originally it was from, from 1924. And they use all the original footage. Uh, so it starts out kind of like an adventure film, showcasing these, like, wonders, um, of this never before traversed area of the world and, and, and what the crew experience and all the things they encounter, such as, like, these 22 mile long icebergs, um, flocks of penguins and, you know, all these extraordinary landscapes that just look beautiful and, fascinating and it is a real marvel um you know just seeing things like these people who are trampling snow in an area of the world that's never seen humans before it just must have been one of the kind of greatest thrills any person could have experienced and it is absolutely magnificently caught on camera by um one of the guys on the expedition herbert j uh, hobbit herbert g ponting sorry um it's just brilliant. It's absolutely fascinating. It's kind of like, um, Richard Attenborough. Um, not Richard Attenborough. Not, he's not Richard. David Attenborough documentary. Um, but, but very dated. <laughs> I mean, there's things in it that I'm sure David Attenborough would have been ashamed of. They like harpoon a killer whale to try and save a seal cub, um, who they've kind of arbitrarily ascribed this narrative to. Um, and they shoot like these birds off its nest to examine the eggs every so often, you know, just as the chicks are hatching, so they could, they could, like, die of exposure, but they're just shifting these mother birds off the nest to try and film them, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's very antiquated, but uh, at the same time, it's it's still quite a fascinating, um, like, nature documentary almost. And then, you get the problems that the crew encounter, um, such as them being stuck in the ice for 20 days aboard the Terra Nova, um, or them being like worryingly low on food. It's kind of, I want to say it's glossed over slightly, but the impression that it gives is more of a, like a stiff upper lip type approach more than anything else. You know, they do attempt to document absolutely everything that happens to them, including the, uh, the fateful 800 mile excursion on foot through glaciers and minus 40 Antarctic terrain, you know, to reach the pole. Uh, only to end up discovering, of course, that we, we're all familiar with this story, I presume, you know, then end up discovering that they were beaten to the pole about 40 days earlier by a Norwegian cruise that they knew absolutely nothing about. I mean, it, it, it captures all of this. Um, but what it, what it tries to do is it, it tries to bring across the camaraderie aboard the ship, the camaraderie of the crew, 
how close they were, how optimistic they were. Um, and it, it does that really well. And it, it ends up being a really kind of tragic story for the right reasons. So, you know, the only, only footage taken during the final months of Captain Scott and his four friends' life is, it is quite ominous during this, this period, um, given what we know happens to them. But you don't see anybody die. Um, you know, you don't see Lawrence Oates make his famous, I'm just going outside, I may be some time speech. None of that stuff is recorded. Um, but you, I mean, you do see the, the, the area that their bodies were recorded from, which was just like 11 miles away from the nearest depot. This is after they've just walked about 1,700 miles through this, this, this horrible conditions. Um, but it, what it uses towards the end is lots of quotes from Captain Scott's diary, which gives it this really profound um, feeling to it. And I mean, honestly, it's a truly astounding documentary. Um, brilliant soundtrack as well to it as well. I don't know what, I can't remember what it was they used, but whatever it was the BFI got, um, got him for the soundtrack was just absolutely spot on. Um, but you know, it's one of mankind's most famous stories, and just, I didn't even realise that they'd caught all this real footage from, from this journey in like 1911. You know, it's actual, the people there and what they, they went on and combining it with these quotes from, from Scott's journal, it's just sensational. It's one of the absolute best documentaries that I've seen. Um, and it would have made my top ten ahead of some of those on the, uh, on the sight and sound list. Did anyone get a chance to watch, uh, to, to watch, did anyone get a chance to see what, what was on that top ten documentaries list? Do you want me to tell you what came top? Go on. Man with a movie camera. Um, is that the one Russian in The doc- Simpsons? Do they use that in The Simpsons? Possibly. They use it a lot. Oh, no, no. So that's man getting hit by football. Did that come anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> no. I can oh. see why you confused the two, though. <laughs> yeah. No, that, it's a silent documentary from 1929. Uh, a Russian documentary. Which is, I mean, it's really interesting. It would be in my top ten. Um, but the best documentary ever? I'm not sure. There's a lot of camera trickery in there. Have you guys got a favourite documentary that you would have you would have picked? Yeah, Spinal Tap. It's amazing. But it's uh, just it, it's you know it's a simple story of a a small uh, or not not small a massive uh, rock band uh, just you know promoting their latest album. It's, uh, I don't, true I don't true know story as well, I believe. True story, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really. Oh, uh, actually. In, on a serious note, I think it might be um, the imposter. Oh really? Yeah, I I really like I really like that film. Either that, or there was um, I'm, this is going to be completely embarrassing because I've completely forgotten what the, what the film's called now. Um, Dreams of a Life about the woman who oh, yeah, laid yeah. in her flat dead for three years and no one no one noticed basically, um, which is just completely heartbreaking. It's it's really clever. Um, I don't know whether either of you guys have seen it, yeah. but they go through it and they don't tell you, but they, there's no caption, they don't tell you what relation she was to her, they were to, to uh, this woman, and you kind of just find out gradually through through the film, okay, this this guy was her boyfriend for a long time, and this guy was her boyfriend afterwards, and this guy, like she slept on his uh, sofa just a few weeks before she must have died, etc., so it's it's completely it's heartbreaking really, um, but I don't know about the veracity of it because her family aren't involved, and I think they get a bit of a bum deal, uh, whereas in fact they actually hired private detectives to try and track her down and stuff. 
So mm. I think just just for that, I think the imposter would have to edge it, edge it for me. I wasn't that keen on the imposter. I mean, I thought it was quite good, um, almost like a thriller, really. Which yeah. is why I wasn't so keen on it. I felt it was a little bit too manipulative for me. Um, I think but... that's the problem. With, uh, again, that's the problem with a lot of documentaries. That was definitely the problem with, oh, yeah, the, yeah. with the second one that I mentioned. Um, because yeah, you're led to believe that basically her family didn't really care. Um, mm. And that wasn't the case at all. I knew that going into it because I'd read quite a lot about the, the subject. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. you do always have to take. I, I think Blackfish is probably slightly more manipulative. It is, uh, but I really liked Blackfish. Actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it, is, it completely ignores my uh, previous comment. Yeah, uh, I think another one as well is uh, another one that I've seen, which is kind of dodgy in its uh, standing, is is Gasland about the whole fracking situation in the US. Um, which kind of part, mm. tries to pass itself off as someone just being a bit concerned about it because he's got a letter about it going on near his house, but is actually uh, quite bit of an activist iffy. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Steve? Have you got a favourite? Um, a couple, really. Both ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries. One's The Tale of Two Escobars about um, Pablo Escobar, the Colombian drug baron, and Andreas Escobar, mm. the central defender who scored an own goal to knock out uh, a quite good Columbia side from USA 94 and ended up getting shot as soon as he mm. stepped off the plane back at home. And then the Hillsborough one, I can't remember the exact title for it, it might just be Hillsborough, but was considering all the truth and everything that's come out about Hillsborough in the last probably 18 months, um, was a was probably the best documentary I've seen on that subject. And it tackled it really well. I think that's the thing, isn't it, with a documentary? As long as it it has a like a genuine emotion to it, which is you know going back to Blackfish. I mean, those people. Okay, yeah, it is slightly manipulative, but there, there's a real like sense of right about it, what they're trying to do. So I think if you've got a film, you know, like that Hillsborough one, that's that's got a real message to it and there's there's something important there being said and it actually is a really well made documentary then then yeah I'm all for it really but um there is a there is a documentary in the top 10 list on sight and sound um which is basically about a guy who films potatoes <laughs> french avant-garde film which yeah. is I thought we'd stop talking about spice world now is this <laughs> yeah, very good. This, this is why I, this is why I boycott sight and sound. You reckon they do get a bit? Um, I mean, it's it's uh, you can say that, but it is voted for by lots of different people. You know, yeah, filmmakers, but, documentary makers, critics. Yeah, but they're all uh, pretentious arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why why would anyone vote for a documentary about someone filming spuds? Is it time lapse? I mean. Because that could be quite interesting. <laughs> like, what? what is actually the point, and why would anyone vote for that? It's oh, ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but that's what these people are like. I think yeah. they're doing it to take the mick out of us. They don't really like it. Just, so, someone genuinely has made a documentary like that, and they're, all just doing, and they're just voting for it to wind us up, just to take the mick, and see, <laughs> it, and see if people, like, rise to it, or go, oh, yeah, well, it's really arty, and all these people at Sight and Sound say it's good, so it must be good, and it's all fantastic. No, they're having us on. It's probably going to be the first time ever, but it's comparable then in that sense to something like Human Centipede or Serbian film. Something that just has a reputation, so people want to see it for 
for that reputation. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's end this part and uh, hurry on to the review of Guardians of the Galaxy. So our big new release review uh, this week is the new Marvel Studios release, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, here's a clip. Drop it. Uh, hey. Adopt City Halak. Drop it now! Hey, cool man. No problem. No problem at all. How do you know about this? I don't even know what that is. I'm just a junker, man. I'll just just check us okay. out. You don't look like a junker. You're wearing rather to garb. It's a, just an outfit, man. Ninja Turtle, you better stop poking me. What is your name? My name is Peter Quill, okay? Dude, chill out. Move! Why? Ronan may have questions for you. Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys? Move! I forget this. So that was um, a clip then of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'm going to hand over to probably Owen, who is probably the biggest comic book fan um, out of the lot of That's us, to kind, cool. to, to kind of provide a bit of background to the Guardians of the Galaxy for us, maybe. Well, that's very that's very kind of you, Steve, but I don't actually read much Marvel. And <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, I've only read two issues of a comic at all, of, of anything to do with them, before watching this. Um, I think I'm not alone in that either. Even amongst a lot of comic book readers, Guardians of the Galaxy aren't usually high up on people's reading lists. Um... But anyway, yeah, I mean, if you want a little bit of background about them, they're just, um, you've got a guy who's a human, um, the Star-Lord, uh, as he calls himself. Um, mm, most most importantly Earth. that he calls himself, I think. He calls himself <laughs> that, yeah. So he's taken from Earth when he was a kid in the 80s, um, and he ends up joining with a group of, I don't know what you call them, mercenaries? Should we call them mercenaries? Different people, anyway. Um... Kind of like Firefly, I guess, if you've ever seen Firefly. Just a group of these people who get together and try and save the world. Group of wrongons. Um, a group of wrongons, that'll do, Steve. A bunch of wrongons. One, one of them is a tree. Uh, one of them is a raccoon. Um, one of them's a green princess, who is the daughter of Thanos, but not quite the daughter of Thanos, but we'll leave that there. And one of them is Drax the Destroyer, who, um, in the film, is played by Batista, and He's played brilliantly, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, you... I am going to just end there though and hand it over to Carol because Carol has seen the film twice already and is planning a third visit as well. Mind well, you, I'm, I'm planning a second visit. That's how much I enjoyed it. You know, you're not the only people that have said this either. I like plenty of people have said this to me. That they're going to be going two and, and three times, and this is just this is ridiculous. Um, it's just, yeah, it's I, just I, well fun. Yeah, so. it's just it's well. Is that, is that your review? Yeah, it's that's it. They well can put that on the poster the if they want. They can put that on the back of the DVD. Steve, <laughs> fail critics, well fun. <laughs> Five star. Um, yeah, I, I know a little bit, I've read a little bit of um, Guys of the Galaxy. I was actually reading the, I think what they've loosely based this film on. It's not actually follow. it's not actually following a particular uh, comic storyline, but I, the lineup is based on 
um, the series from 2008, which is actually, uh, if you're a comics fan, it's on sale on Comicsology at the moment. Uh, so I got it the other day and had a read of it and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know, they, they're not really that high up on my knowledge list either, to be perfectly honest. Um, this was probably the one that I went into knowing the least about. Um, but that's obviously been catered for. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's obviously been catered for in the film because, you know, they, they fully, fully aware that no one knows who these people are. And it's kind of, it's even played up to it at the beginning with, uh, with the Star Lord thing. It's like, who? Is, I, I don't know who <laughs> Star Lord is. That, that's in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. Um, but yeah, it, it is, as, as Steve said, I don't think I can really add anything to that now. No, it's quite, <laughs> well it's, quite it's, it's, it's quite strange in so much as they picked kind of, to go into this Marvel universe, they picked a less less well known, especially to non comic book fans, group of characters, um, and the casting was quite brave because although he's he's lost a lot of weight now, a basically main gu- main character was a chubby guy from a sitcom. Uh, you've got Oscar winning Bradley Cooper playing a, a raccoon, so you can't even see his face. And you've got kind of Vin Diesel, like an action star as well, can't even see his face, and he and he has free free words to say. It, yeah, in, in that respect, the the casting was not so much strange, but quite brave. Um, as well as that, I mean, the, including Batista, Dave Batista, but, but is one of the main characters. Well, he's he's film. the biggest he's the biggest surprise out of the lot, and you just think Drax is a destroyer. Well, they've got a wrestling because he's going to be big, like big build, physical. He's called the Destroyer. It's quite apt, and he's actually really good at you know with his diet. He gets a lot of good lines, and he's really funny. I think he warms up into it. He, I, I wasn't sure about him at first, but by the end, I was completely sold. Um, he's kind of the first the first time you meet him. I was kind of oh, I'm not really sure about this guy. Um, and then by the end of the film, you, you just completely yeah, you completely buy it, and the, and the kind of more emotional bits in the middle, which I don't want to give away at the moment, obviously we don't do spoiler alert at the end of this podcast um, the kind of emo- more emotional bits in the middle, you, you do absolutely buy that as well, and yeah I was I was complete, I was just completely knocked out by him um, I, I wrote in my review on the site that um, he stands up to Chris Pratt quite easily in the in the comedy kind of stakes, and, and yeah, Chris Pratt is a very very funny guy, but you're expecting him to be funny, because you know he is funny um, you're not expecting Batista to be that funny, and it's it's all completely deadpan, and it's it's just it's wonderful, really really good. Yeah, absolutely, and the the it is the whole film is just so funny. I think is the main thing. It's not just limited to Chris Pratt and um, Batista. Weirdly, saying Batista is one of the funny things, but it's it, the whole thing is just it's got an air of like fun about it. Um, it's a proper adventure film, isn't it? Pro- a proper like. Not the space opera, the epic kind of thing we're no. expecting, but a really just fun sci-fi action adventure. I movie. mean, it's, it's some people have said it is Star Wars for a new generation. It's not really it, it isn't. It isn't because it is a, a space adventure film. Um, but that's probably where the similarity ends between the two. But I can see what people mean when they make that comparison. But the tone of each film is completely different. Guardians of the Galaxy is much funnier. Um, uh, yeah, well, but, J- James Gunn didn't rip off an Akira Kurosawa film either, did he? So. 
No, I think from from what I, as I said, my my knowledge of the, of the characters is limited. But I think from what I've read, it's just completely in keeping with the tone of the book as well, which was, I think, a lot of people, well, the few people that read it, it was their concern was they were going to not really be able to keep up with the tone. But the, yeah, the comedy kind of stylings definitely come from the book. Uh, especially when it comes to Rocket, uh, who, for my, my money, does actually get most of the best lines. <laughs> and didn't he look really good as well? Yeah, he yeah, looks amazing. Yeah, CGI was brilliant. And, and Groot does as well. See, uh, Groot looks just incredible. There are certain things, uh, again, I don't want to give it away, but there are certain things that he does which just, um, you, you just completely buy into the fact that there's just a massive lumbering tree just walking around. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 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 rendering on both of those was just amazing. And to be honest, the whole film to me looked really, really excellent. It looked like um, I don't know whether you've ever read a book called Hyperion by Dan Simmons. There's like no. this um on on the front of that. There's this kind of massive landscape and and the kind of uh, there's a baddie standing there. But it it kind of really reminded me of that. It's just this kind of from the pulpy science fiction novels of the seventies, just massive epic landscapes and, and everything the whole thing just, just looked amazing I to mean me. considering it's CGI as well all CGI it looked from you know the planet that he starts off on finding uh, the orb which you see in the trailer so it's not a spoiler to when they go to nowhere and it just all looks amazing yeah and, it does. And it, well I mean you kind of know it's CGI it's quite obvious but it doesn't you know it's not I'm trying to think the best way to say it, but it's not kind of you're not going to think. It doesn't look like, like everything's on a green screen. Yeah, you're not like you're Star not sat there Wars. thinking that's, that's CGI. Say, that's CGI. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like as Star Wars prequels. Yeah, but as well as the um, you know the, the CGI, I think the actual special effects they use anyway, you know, all the makeup and everything, they've done a fantastic job at that as well. Mm. I mean, I didn't recognise half the actors in it. Drax um, looks great. Drax looks. Pretty much as as he, as he should do. Yeah, I know a lot of people are a bit annoyed with the with, with the direction that his character has kind of taken uh, with his motivations, etc. But um, yeah, he looked he looked brilliant, and yeah, uh, yeah, the whole thing just looked fantastic. I totally bought into um, uh, Vin Diesel's voice as well, <laughs> we, and we yeah. know he's got he's got a talent for voicing over things. Um, but uh, he was he was just fantastic. You you sort of even though it was the same three words over and over, <clears throat> uh, you sort of you knew exactly what he was trying to say. I hear I I read today that he's actually dubbed it in about twelve different languages, so you always get his voice, <laughs> which is just brilliant. Amazing. I suppose Groot is the same in every language. Yeah, exactly. You so. you just got the yeah. It's only, it's <laughs> yeah. only two it words. Just, got, yeah, just the prefix. <laughs> yeah. Jumapel Groot. Although in a New Jersey accent. Yeah. Still. <laughs> French, but New Jersey accent. But yeah, they, I mean, I think you've found out enough about all the characters as well for kind of an origin story. There wasn't any of the main characters that kind of neglected in terms of. You didn't find out a lot about any of them, with the exception of possibly uh, Star Lord. But. You didn't find out nothing about any of them as well. Yeah, I think you, I think that was a problem in trying to set up so many characters at, at the same time. Was you just kind of got a crib note version of their backstory. It's just mm. like, oh yeah, I was kidnapped. Uh, 
and and you know the, the other uh, stories that happen as well. You just kind of get a little kind of one sentence explanation. I mean, even uh, the whole even quills, which is the most fleshed out, you kind of go back to it halfway through and and, and uh, it's explained a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think that's always going to be a problem. I think. To be honest, uh, the one kind of weak link in the in the film for me was just the lack of motivation for the bad guys. Um, you don't really find out why they're trying to destroy everything. It's just that they do want to. I don't know. I think you found out a fair bit about Ronan, the accuser's motivation. I don't think you're ever going to find out too much about Thanos and what he's up to until possibly Avengers so, yeah, 2, maybe even great. further down the line than that. Um, yep. Avengers 3, I think. Yeah, he's in the third. Probably be the way. Oh, no, I think he's meant to appear in Avengers 2 at some level. Um, but I'm not sure how, but you know, I don't, I think his motives are going to be revealed slowly and possibly just through post-credit scenes until the third Avengers film. I think yeah. you found out about Ronan, the accuser. He was a hardcore of, um, whatever species he was who didn't like the Nova, the Nova Corps and wanted to destroy them. Because of you know, even though there's a ceasefire because of family history and things like that, and he's just a typical maniacal bad guy. I didn't really think that was enough of an explanation. <laughs> Sorry, um, I I can't really yeah I can't really put my finger on it, but it, it just kind of I don't know I mean, yeah obviously he's like a fanatical creed blue skin chap. Yeah, uh, it was a bit like uh, Christopher Eccleston, wasn't it in? Um Thor too. Yeah. He's just an evil elf. Yeah. That's all you need. He's just an evil elf. Yeah. He's about to do bad things. Yeah, exactly. Um, Some people are just dicks, but <laughs> is it, you know, I don't believe anyone can be 100% a dick. Apart from Ronan. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't actually going to go, go into Thanos because I wasn't sure whether we were going to leave it for spoiler alert, but seeing as you have mentioned him, um, it's, it's not really a spoiler. I think people do know that he's he's in. There. I think there have been pictures released now, haven't there? Mm. I yeah. I really didn't feel like his appearance actually added anything. In fact, it kind of lessened his threat. This is one of the big, the big bads of the of the whole universe. Everything's going to be leading up to him. Uh, so to have this kind of uh, like little cameo, basically. And I'm sorry, but he did look rubbish. Like, he looked no worse than the Hulk did in Avengers. But then you put him next to Rocket and Groot, and you see how much worse he looks. It, the, I think the problem he's got a very cartoonish face in the film, in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's what was kind of. He's got a silly looking helmet on, and uh, it's yeah. just a bl- big blue thing, and it just purple, looks like. Actually. Is it what, purple, <laughs> blue? It's all the same. Um, but he he kind of just looked to me exactly the same as Hulk did because I'd read beforehand that people were going oh well he looks he lets the film down because he looks so bad compared to everything else. Um, so I went in expecting him to look shit and I was like oh, well I don't know what people are complaining about. He's just Hulk but blue or purple. Yeah, may well yeah maybe if you go in thinking that you wouldn't be so disappointed I was just I mean it doesn't even matter because he's only on stage he's only on, on screen for about five minutes less than that um, <laughs> but just when he moves and when he talks he just he looks rubbish yeah. to me and I don't really want to go into specifics but the whole I think the film just kind of serves to dumb down his threat a little bit basically I think it could have done without him actually being in that 
that position he was in. Uh, I think he. I think he's in the film mainly because his two daughters are, um, and you know he's like the emperor of the galaxy or whatever. So he's his two daughters are in the film. And to be fair to Guardians of the Galaxy, it although if you are a fan of the previous Marvel films, it fits in with that whole series. But it is pretty much standalone. You don't need to have seen Iron Man or Avengers or. Thor or anything like that to to be up to speed with this. You 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 can just go to Guardians of the Galaxy and enjoy it as just a a space adventure film. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just having him in there is just to give you the idea that there is more to come. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just felt that it didn't really serve his character too much uh, to be ultimately pointless uh, as as he is. But But, yeah, yeah, that's just me. (laughs) Banging soundtrack though. Yeah, quality. <laughs> I've uh, I've had a real problem with this soundtrack ever since I saw it. Like I I I've now been I think I first saw it ten or eleven days ago, and I've had at least one of the soundtracks in my one of the soundtrack songs in my head every day. And I went uh, shopping yesterday, and I went to HMV, and they were playing it in there just to wind me up even further. <laughs> just it felt it, like just have it get on Spotify. I've I've downloaded it. I've been I've been walking around with it for most <laughs> most of the week as well. But yeah, uh, cracking soundtrack. A little bit of me a bit surprised it managed to get a a twelve A certificate. Not really. Well, I was just about to ask because you went to the Q and A, didn't you, Carol? Yes. With James Gunn there, did they mention anything like that? Because he is. I mean, you look at something like Slither or Super. Yes, yeah, very Super. like violent and gory <laughs> films. Yeah, um, I what. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think there was anything too out of the ordinary. I think there was a lot of kind of language, um, hmm. but if you look at um, films that yeah, one reference to a certain artist. Oh was just yeah, but hilarious. that's I think that I think that's okay because you have to fill in the the gaps. But that got <laughs> yeah, there was def- there was definitely a parent sat opposite me had to fill in some gaps there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was. Um, yeah, that that was definitely. I think that probably got the biggest laugh. Definitely the second screening that I was at. Uh, not so much the first because there were a lot of kids there. There was a lot of squirming parents. But yeah, you look at things that we used to watch, um, and with PG, and you'd be amazed. I was. Um, I remember going to see uh, Men in Black at the cinema, and you know, it's, there's quite a lot of swearing in that, and that's PG. You, you don't really think about it so much. Um, I remember actually seeing Ghostbusters. As going back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, mm. The first time I saw it, and it wasn't on TV, I got the DVD because I'd always had it recorded off the telly onto tape, and um, and I was just amazed and horrified at how much swearing there was in that. <laughs> even even Egon gets in on the action. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think as long as you don't say you know a couple of golden words, I think it's I think it's basically pretty much anything, isn't it? I think it's just in keeping with the characters as well, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it keeps James Gunn's humour in there as well. Yeah. I mean, it might not be as gory as some of his other stuff is, you know, but it still feels like a James Gunn film. Yeah, it feels it feels like probably the most James Gunn film ever made, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And the fact <laughs> that he's managed to do it with a, a mega-budget film is just is incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, I, I, was, I think I was a little bit worried about him being sanitised for a, um, a younger audience, but yeah, I definitely shouldn't have worried about that. Uh, I think that brings in our non-spoiler discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy to a close. Um, 
we are going to do a spoiler alert coming up shortly. Before we go, though, um, our recommendations for uh, next week. I'm going to go with Netflix. And the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, is going to be on UK Netflix from the 8th of August. Nice. Um, Owen? Lucky. Um, there's the um, Paul Thomas Anderson film, Punch Drunk Love, which is on Saturday evening, stroke Sunday morning, um, 20 past midnight on Film 4. Uh, probably the only time any of us will ever recommend Adam Sandler films, but he's really good in it. Uh, and it's well worth a watch. And Carol? Um, I'm actually going to recommend a film that's out on Blu-ray now, which is the Lego movie. Sorry, James. I I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, well, what's that? Lego? Le- I Lego. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's it? pronounced yeah. Lego. <laughs> Lego. Yeah. Um, Which Owen cynically said was just a big advert for Lego. Well, it is. Of course it, it is. is. It's it is a big movie. advert. Yeah. But it's but it's incredibly it's just one of the best adverts I've ever seen in that case. It's <laughs> it's really funny. I, I I loved it. Um and it's got a, a very strange uh change of pace which kind of actually works, which is which is pretty good. Um yeah, definitely one for the hyperactive kids. Um <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's all for, for this week's failed critics podcast. Uh, join us next week where we'll have uh, new release reviews including the Inbetweeners movie 2 um, the second one <laughs> possibly yeah, enough said. Yeah. And, um, and some others probably if you want to stick around for um, spoiler alert where we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy in a lot more detail please do although Matt Lamborn if you haven't seen the film yet don't <laughs> stay around for this bit it'll just ruin it for yourself yeah, don't moan at us for yeah. it either. Don't complain um, if you ruin the film for yourself after this extensive warning not to listen to this bit of the podcast. Yeah. Just take your headphones out or mm. turn your radio off in your car. Stop. Go outside. Turn off now. Yeah. Throw your laptop out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Um, so yes, welcome to Spoiler Alert. Guardians of the Galaxy review continued. Probably where we start with all spoiler alerts for these Marvel type films is going to be the post credit um, spoilers, stinger, stingers, yeah. spoilers, whatever they want, scenes, whatever they are. <coughs> Two in this one. Um, unusually, none of them tease a future Marvel film. That's what you think. I think it might be the <laughs> first example of it teasing a previous Marvel film. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> You know, just gonna, the, the one film pre this new Marvel universe is going to be the head with the duck. That's the only one that's going to be included. That would be a bizarre decision. <laughs> yes. I, yes. I actually, um, I didn't get the post credits. Marvel held it back from the previews, um, that everyone was shown to, to keep it a surprise. So there were lots and lots of rumours flying around about who it was. It's a very strong rumour they were going to announce Doctor Strange. So I was quite excited about that. Um, and so when I actually, I, I accidentally found out what it was because I was planning to go to the cinema again for a third time to see it. Um, but I accidentally found out what it was and I honestly did think it was a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I, just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't think Marvel did themselves any favours by holding it back, to be perfectly honest. I think everyone was really kind of hyped up for it and then it just turned out to be, oh god, it's how the duck. 
Well, you, you know, don't say do I didn't. <laughs> what are they going to yeah. do with it? Yeah, I mean, what was the point of? Well, just it's a nice little treat for anyone who stuck around to watch the credits, really, isn't it? That's what it's meant to be. Well, I know, but they usually like set up another film, don't they? That, or... That's exactly what they were saying. It was going to be a, a teaser to 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 the, um, you know, not the next film, but one that's coming up. Uh, nah. You know, it's it's an interesting choice. Um, Unless it was a teaser for the dog. What's his Cosmo. name? Um, Cosmo. Cosmo. Yeah, I can't wait until he learns to talk. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Russian dog. Um, Some, somebody, oh, idiot, some idiot in, in my screen and walking out, uh, was trying to explain to his girlfriend it was actually Lyca, the first dog in space sent by the Russians. One <laughs> idiot! Oh, I bet he feels stupid oh, now. God, Once he went imagine. over and read up on that, I bet he felt like a right idiot. I can't imagine <laughs> how much of an idiot that guy feels oh. right at this very moment. I hope he's listening to this podcast. He's realised he's wrong and he's cringing in the corner. He's just thinking, I oh. really hope he should basically he should just go and like I don't know, tread on a plug or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, I don't think you were the only person to, to think that as well, to be honest. I didn't think that, it was genuinely someone else. It wasn't someone yeah, else. Yeah, of course. Oh no, it's <laughs> my friend said it on his face. My friend suit. said it. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, it's probably, if you don't know, that's probably a very easy yeah. mistake to make. Well, I don't know. I, knowing the name of the dog is true nerd behaviour, but, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, Cos, Cosmo, the mind reading dog, mind reading Russian speaking dog, uh, he's, he's pretty cool. I, can't wait until he learns to talk and turns up in the in the next one. I hope he does, because you know, I mean, we've we've come come along with a tree and a raccoon in this one. Why not a talking dog and a talking duck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I wasn't that impressed with it. I read before the trip. I was going to say you didn't before. you didn't stay for it. Owen Owen doesn't I am, anymore. I did, he yeah. reads them up first and doesn't. I, I read it first. Yeah, I did. I looked up to see what it was. I've checked to see if it spoiled the film. I said, you know, is it going to spoil the actual story? Is there anything that's going to be revealed? No, good. I'll read up what it is. Okay, it's Howard the Duck. What the fuck? Um. <laughs> I, well, the more interesting bit to me is um, Adam Warlock's cocoon being uh, open. Well, mm. why don't we just start this bit now? Who saw what in the collector's bit museum I, at any uh, point? I did not see the duck. Uh, apparently he is visible earlier. But I did not. Oh, really? There, I saw the, uh, one the, of those dark elves. That's about it, really. No, the, I didn't. I saw a Chitauri. There's a dog and duck. There's a dog and duck. Dog and duck, yeah. Yeah. There's a Chitauri. There's a dark elf. There's apparently Adam Warlock's tomb Cocoon. thing. Cocoon. And apparently there's also the alien slug thingy from Sliver. Yeah, oh, I Sliver, yeah. There's a jar of them. I, um, need, I think I need to go and watch it again. <laughs> That would be brilliant if that gets incorporated into the Marvel Universe. Imagine those attacking the Avengers. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's one that's going to be a, a film that's going to that's going to be a scene in the film that rewards much freeze framing. Mm. Like there's a similar mm. one in Captain America, isn't there, where he's going through the threat list. Yeah, and, and, uh, and that's still not out on DVD yet, is it? Comes it? out so in no, a couple of weeks. So no one's been able to sort. No one's gone on and paused it yet, and like gone right. Well. There's Iron Man's house, and there's someone else's house, and there's someone else, and that's all the you people. You do that... see Avengers Tower in it. Yeah, I, I know Avengers Tower with the Quinjet. Mm. That's in there. Um, mm. But yeah, so it's going to be a similar thing. You're just going to basically be freeze framing it 
Yeah. When you're watching it at home, don't oh, oh, it's the, the day that's well, out. Well, other be... people will. I'll just read it. Yeah. So, some, oh. Yeah. I'm not wasting my time doing it. Someone else will do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay. What favourite bit straight off the bat? What's your favourite bit then? Then we can talk about it spoiler free. Um, dance off. <laughs> yeah. Dance off or Kevin Bacon. The footloose Ke- story Kevin Bacon has seen the film. Uh, he he tweeted out uh, earlier. I think it was early on today or yesterday. I can't remember. He he has seen the film and he does approve. I kind of like the idea of everyone being measured as a like a unit of Kevin Bacon, with Kevin Bacon being the ultimate, and then everyone else kind of being less. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a, a certain degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> it means he can never feature as a character now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because well, he exists there as Kevin Bacon. Well, he, he kind of has already, hasn't he? But not actually in Marvels. He was. Um, he was. Yeah. He's in uh, first class. In, as, what's his name? I can't remember his name. From the Hellfire Club. That's embarrassing. Sebastian, isn't it? Sebastian Shaw. Shaw. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But he's not in the actual Marvel no, Cinematic he probably Universe. Wouldn't be. And it means he can only. Unless he turns up as Kevin Bacon, the superhero. I think that would be a bit too become... meta. That would be quite meta. <laughs> there's, there's too many fu- best bits. Um, I, Groot yeah. taking out the whole corridor of people and his face uh, afterwards. Th- I, that, is in, that was probably the biggest laugh in my cinema. I loved some of Drax's quotes, though. <laughs> you know, the first one that really got me was that nothing goes over yeah. my head. My, refle- my reflexes are too fast. I, thought, yeah, <laughs> I would catch them. Brilliant. <laughs> or the finger to the death, finger to the neck means death. Yeah, why would I wipe my, why would I wipe my finger across his neck? It means death. Uh, or when he took the guy's knife. That was my favourite knife. Uh, that was just a nice little touch that just made everyone erupt with laughter. I think there's just loads of brilliant lines, and most of the, the very funny ones come through tracks. I think. Mm, I think, yeah, the dance off it was just ridiculous in every way. Which is what's so good about it. But it, it was, it was fitted. It was, it's just, what, it was what, really good. What are you doing? Dance off. Od- <laughs> oddness yeah. is only oddness if it doesn't actually work. And, yeah. uh, and it, and it completely worked, it completely worked for the tone of the film, it completely works for the tone of the book as well. And, yeah, I think, although it's not too obsessed with being close to the book, I don't think. No, no, it's not, as I said, it's not actually based on, um, anything and in the book in fact Drax I think is created by Thanos and I think they're not I don't know whether they're going to go that route with the films uh, I know some people are a bit peeved about it cause it doesn't look like they are um, but uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see what they do about Quill's father as well whether they keep that mm. from the book or not I'm not sure and I thought Rocket stole a lot of the good lines as well the prosthetic leg bit I've that seen that just, bit about four yeah. times now and it cracks me up <laughs> still uh, and then when he said and we need that guy's art yeah. <laughs> no we don't we do you no. <laughs> <Talk> to me <laughs> and, and the whole bit where he just you know the whole bit where they all stand great now we're all stood up like idiots I, I really yeah. like that subversion. There's there's a couple of nice subverting bits. There was that, and there's the bit where they're kind of doing the montage. Everyone's getting ready, and they're walking down the corridor, and he's pulling at his crotch, and Gamora's yawning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really cracked me up. Yeah, um, I haven't. Re- we haven't, I don't think any of us have really talked about Gamora because a lot of her story, to me, seems like to to mention it is a spoiler. 
Because the very first thing she does is attack the group, mm. yes. where she seems like an assassin. And then everything else that is revealed about her history, it's like, well, can we mention this? I mean, we can mention she's Stainos's daughter, but not really. Not really. His daughter, um, which is quite a nice twist to people who aren't familiar with the character, I think. Um, and it also sets up Stainos to be even more of a, an arsehole. Um, <laughs> a big bad guy. Um, but I think most of her, she was pretty good, um, yeah. Zoe Saldana. Um, I can't really think of many, you know, other than like Avatar, there's not a huge amount that I really know of. Oh, and uh, Out of the Furnace, which is brilliant. Um, she's in the two new Star Trek, isn't she? As, oh, as a, yeah, as a horror. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. But I mean, I thought, I thought she, she was really good. Really good. Yeah, yeah, I thought she was great. I thought she completely kicked ass, and she and she did end up with a couple. Not didn't get as many as the uh, funny lines as everyone else, but she did get a couple of them, like hmm. the the flash dart, uh, footloose one. Yeah, why do yeah. people have sticks up there? We like Kevin Bacon. Yeah, we like <laughs> Kevin Bacon. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought the, the few emotional bits there were were done really well as well. I mean, they opened it with a big pull on the heartstrings, didn't they? With the whole Peter yeah, Quill's mother really brave, dying, in my opinion, mm. <laughs> and a, the, his mum. This blew my mind. His mum, played by the girl who in the first Inbetweeners movie Will was trying to shag. What the blonde one? Yeah. No way. Yeah, I blew my mind when I found wow. that out. What? No. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. I'm not sure I do believe you. No, well, it I'm is. Going, I'm going <laughs> to go like, on IMDb that yeah. later. <laughs> it, true facts. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a brave way to open it, especially the way kind of they teased it as kind of this fun space adventure, and then the first thing you see is is the kid's mum dying. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, it was a really kind of bold way to open it, I would say. And then, like, literally, within the, ni- the next five minutes, you're getting him, like, strutting through some alien land. As the credits play, and you're, you're like, okay, so I, I know where this film is going. <laughs> yeah, this is the whole film summed up in the first five minutes, really. <laughs> and then, and then we had drunk, drunk rocket, which was a bit. They're telling about why he doesn't like being called a rodent and his well, he's history. Not a rodent, is he? He's an alien. The little bit of history you find out about him, though, and it's yeah. I wasn't. I'm not. Not that I didn't like that bit, I just didn't like it. I just didn't think it really worked very well for me. I thought it worked quite well. I didn't think it was necessary to go quite as um, schmaltzy as it did. And I know I seem to be in the minority there, and it does, you know, you do need to obviously give the character a bit of depth, and it's quite a clever way of doing it. I just thought, you know, our cue sad music, here we go. It's just, um, yeah bit too easy. Mm, okay. So Owen, where did you stand on We Are Groot? <laughs> didn't like We Are Groot. <laughs> did you, didn't like did you not like the whole scene or did you just not like the We Are Groot? Uh, it was so polarised. You know, you could see it coming a mile off as soon as they were doing that and I just thought, well, at least say I am Groot. There's no need to go that extra hog to say We Are Groot. Vin Diesel's got to earn that fee. Yeah, he's getting, he's <laughs> yeah. getting paid by the word. He doubled his vocabulary <laughs> in one scene. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, there's the whole thing about Groot isn't supposed to communicate with words, is it? It's just the noise he makes. Well, it's, it depends, actually. I, I've seen him definitely communicate 
with with actual words. Um, I, yeah. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule about it. He's also meant to be royalty. Uh, uh, I don't know whether they're going to yeah. follow up on that in any kind of sequels or anything. Uh, it'd be interesting if they did. Yeah, I've, def- I've definitely seen him speak in actual okay. actual sentences. Um, okay, I'll, I'll bow to your superior knowledge on that. <laughs> I was <laughs> under the impression he just says I am Groot, and it's not a like sentence. It's just a noise. Yeah, I've also seen him. I kind of ruined it for myself a little bit because I knew what was going to happen. I've also seen him grow back from like a twig. Uh, before, so I knew what was going to happen there. I knew that yeah. someone was going to show up with him in a plant pot. Yeah, I didn't think <laughs> that they'd kill him off. No. Yeah, none of them were ever in any real danger, were they? No. I mean, to be honest, the, the film is about them forming as a group, and that does take a little bit of something away from it. You know, every time Michael Rooker, who I really like actually, he was really good in this as well. Yeah. Um, every time he was threatening them with that weird pencil thing. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I just thought, well, nothing's really going to well, happen to them. I think you could pretty bad. much assume that nothing was going to kind of happen to most of them, at least. Yeah. Oh, Karen, Karen Gillan as um, Nebula, who I, was one of these people who the effects were so good, I just didn't recognise her. Mm. I saw her name in the credits, but I didn't didn't see her. Um, I didn't recognise that was that was her. That she was terrible American actor. It wasn't a fantastic accent, but she was... So if you're in, spa- if you're in space, why do you need to do an American accent? Well, exactly. Why don't you just stick to the Scottish one? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, she was quite good in Oculus. She had a good accent in that, but um, I guess it didn't really translate too well mm. to being... But, uh, yeah, she, that whole she looked good. Person. She didn't really have a lot to do, though, did she, in the end? She was just um, a, no. a, a weapon. Yeah. So. Not in but not in the hurt. offensive way that a Scottish person might call another Scottish person a weapon. <laughs> but she, 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 her ending's still open, isn't it? Yeah, we never yeah. saw her die. No, you, you, so she, she gets into the because I I was a bit confused about this the first time I saw her. I couldn't remember whether what happened to her, and she gets into someone else's spaceship and just base. That's the last you see of her, really. Mm. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, can yeah. can we talk about how good Lee Pace is as Ronan actually? I, I had a really hard time remembering that was sweet, sweet Ned from Pushing Daisies. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. He, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, he was a good villain. He's a good villain. He, he was about on par with Christopher Eccleston. Mm, he was good, but I never really found him to be that intimidating and that kind of. He just did a lot of open mouth stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it just really distracts me when actors do that. Try and be imposing with their gob hanging open. Um, <laughs> I suppose to, to to round off spoiler alert. Then I mean we've mentioned the post credit scenes. So where does this set up the Marvel universe now? Because usually we have, like I say, a, a something teasing the next film, and we haven't. Um, we obviously assume that. Uh, they, well, if announced a sequel for 2017, um, yeah, and Chris Pratt said. He's up for it. I think everyone else is up for it. I imagine his and, contract says he's up for it. Yeah. Avengers 3 is when it seems that the Guardians of the Galaxy will meet the Avengers um, and time with Thanos Possibly, yeah. and everything. That seems to be where it's heading. That 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 makes me think, you know, you're going to have... You've got, at the moment, you've, for Avengers 2, you're going to have um, seven Avengers, aren't you? You're going to have Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye, um, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, 
Quicksilver. So that's seven Avengers. Plus they've mm-hmm. brought War Machine into that, that now. Alan's going to actually be Vision. So that's nine. Plus the guy, that's 14. Falcon, that's, I guess. Sorry? Falcon as well. You heard from Winter Soldier. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, he's been in, he, he's in it somewhere. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's ten Avengers before you get on. That's fifteen good guys before you get to bad guys. That's a lot of characters to put into a film. But um, you don't have to set them up as a, as a team, no, do you? No, but it's just, just kind of, it. it's kind of, yeah, but you know, giving them enough screen time and everything. But it's, it's like, um, it's gonna have to have a humongous runtime. Whatever Avengers series, it, we're probably looking at like a th- almost three hour long film. But the way they're going at the moment, I, pro- I wouldn't mind that. I'd much prefer three hours of that than three hours of, of the Hobbit. The Transformers, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that they are, I think it's a very good point because they're, they're trying to cram a lot in there. What might happen, possibly, depending on actors' contracts, thinking about Iron Man, they might not be in it. Mm, but I mean, like with Captain America, if Chris Evans doesn't want to carry on, they've already teed up his replacement, really, with the Winter Soldier. They have. So, you know, most of these characters are interchangeable with somebody else from their own comic book. You know, if, if, um, if, um, Robert Downey Jr. decides to pack it in, you can always bring in War Machine as, um, Iron Man. Or even Rescue. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or we'll just completely recast it, I suppose. No, it won't happen. But yeah. Yeah, it might. It won't. I don't, I don't <laughs> think in this Marvel universe they'll be doing any kind of recasting. It'll be somebody else comes in and takes over as Iron Man rather than, yeah, Robert Downey Jr.'s gone. Well, Here's another Tony Stark. Yeah. Don, Don Cheadle wasn't War Machine. No, but he wasn't kind of a major character, was he? I guess not. And, you know, of course, the the big one is Ed Norton, because mm. Hulk was recast. Yeah. I think it's the, the, there is room for them to do that. They're, I, but th- like, I, I think they're too yeah. far gone with some of them now. Like, yeah. like uh, Downey Jr. has played Stark four times and has been brilliant in every one of them. No one else can see anyone else being Tony Stark at the moment. Whereas that first Hulk film was so whack that... Wait, hang on, first or second? Second, whichever, both. It's not that the, bad. The, the, pro, bad. the one that's part of the Marvel Universe, yeah. Yeah. It's not, not the it's not, that, it's not as bad as the Ang Lee one. It's pretty bad, though. It, well, that's not, oh no, that's not saying much. So you can, but... so you can, ju- <laughs> so you can justify them changing who the Hulk is. Yeah, there was a, was um, bad. uh, th- there was a, um, trivia bit on IMDb that I was reading earlier, um, that stated, uh, Tony Stark was meant to cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. But they scrapped it because at the time they weren't really sure whether he was going to carry on because there was all the contract like negotiations hmm. and stuff. But in the books, he has actually joined Guardians of the Galaxy previously. Um, yeah. So it would be quite interesting to, to see them go that route and go the whole cosmic. Because the thing is, if this film does well, and let's face it, with the 95 million opening, you're going to have to say that it is going to do really well. You're opening up like a whole other side uh, to, to the universe. You're opening up like all the cosmic stuff. Uh, like the Cree, more Cree, you're opening up the scrolls, you're opening up an awful lot of stuff. And the Infinity Gauntlet's sort of coming That's together all, yeah, very slowly. Yeah, it seems to be kind of what's, what's going to be the, the uh, main crux of the third Avengers film, I think. Yeah. What is the next Marvel film out? Is it Ant Man? It's meant it? to be Ant Man. 
Ant-Man and Avengers 2 in the same year, isn't it? Avengers 2 in the same year, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Uh, We'll see how that goes. (laughs) mm. Because if Ant-Man goes well, then there's someone else who's going to probably be in Avengers 3. Yeah. And that's that's 11 good guys. No, 16 good guys. Before you get onto the bad guys. Anyone who comes out of the... Anyone who comes out of the Netflix Marvel series, or yeah. I, you know, I think Agents of Shield gets bigger. You know, I think what you're probably going to see is just like a revolving door. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be seeing uh, many of the original Avengers in in the third one. Uh, it's just going to be a, well, basically like it is in, in the series. It's just going to be a revolving door of people just all calling themselves yeah. the Avengers, which is a great way to set it up because then obviously people get bored and they don't want to be playing the same character for fifteen years. You just kind of get someone else in. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about Avengers 2 for people who aren't listening, but you've probably also got someone else who will be part of the group coming out of that film as well. Just Avengers 2. Yeah. Who? So, cause... <laughs> I can't think who. Uh, I'll tell you after the podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, let's just, let's, just end, let's just end there then. That's all for, uh, for Spoiler Alert and for this week's podcast. So thanks for listening and join us again roughly the same time next week. <laughs>